I remember whenever you first came to me, like how long ago was that? First. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. dude. I remember that. We had like a little, yeah, we had a little uh, back and forth. Yeah, um, soup peddler. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Ah, uh, man, that must have been, I think like September. It was probably before mm-hmm. October of 2022. So I started the podcast. Shit, when did I start it? October 2022 was my first episode. Mm-hmm. So we probably met. I don't know. Just before that. Yeah, just a little before. <clears throat> so I'm, kind of like, yeah, I, don't remember that. I remember talking to you and you were interested about, you know, starting a podcast and Gunnar and I had been going for a little bit. Uh, yeah. Not super yeah. long. We hadn't quite blown up to the level that we got to. Um, but I did have like some notes on how we started. Mm. And mm. I'm curious what your initial journey was like, because I remember when you started, it was very much a cryptocurrency podcast. And yeah. you have evolved it beyond that. So yeah. what was that like to take it from your initial idea to what it is now? You know, when I, yeah, so the first six episodes were Bitcoin affiliated. Mm-hmm. The guests were tied to Bitcoin. And, um, you know, I, I, I had the intention to, touch on Bitcoin and have that be like my specialization. Mm-hmm. I knew I didn't want to call it like a Bitcoin pot, like the name of the podcast be some something related to Bitcoin because I knew subconsciously and intuitively that I wasn't only going to speak to Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. But my friend, the first podcast guest, Jose, he works for the same company as me. He was also doing his own podcast and he's now evolved his position he's like an audio and visual manager for our company for marketing Mm -hmm. so he was really a huge um just like pat on the back and like uh, a a helpful excuse me helpful hand to get me started and to do my first episode Mm because i was i was even though I knew no one was going to listen to like the first episode, you know, at least for the first year, there wasn't going to be a lot of eyes on it because I didn't have a big following or anything like that. I was still really nervous because I, I was taking it seriously mm-hmm. and I didn't know where it was going to go. There was just so much unknown to it. But uh, so that being said, having him as the first guest, I got into, we, we got into Bitcoin. We got into some of the, like the the ethos of the Bitcoin culture and community and the technology. And then I, you know, I, I had, I think the first six episodes were Bitcoin related. And then I had episode seven and that was with Michelle Flores. Mm-hmm. And I, I invited her on because I actually declared and like made it like I verbalized it in, you know, in, uh, in front of a group of men at MetaMem. I was like, I'm going to start a podcast. I've been thinking about it for a long time. I've been like infatuated with podcast conversations. Mm-hmm. Kind of just want to do this. And so her being there and like, and uh, doing it at MetaMem, like kind of proclaiming it at MetaMen, mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? I want to have you on as a guest as well. I think that'd be special. And so we didn't talk about Bitcoin, obviously, right. because she's, uh, I don't want to butcher her, like label her position, but she's like a men's uh, embodiment coach, emotional wellness coach, and mm-hmm. holds a lot of containers for men that are high performance. And so we spoke to just different things. And then I was like, okay, now I just want to speak to other things. I spoke to Noah Heisman about philosophy mm-hmm. and being a startup lawyer. And so 
to answer your question, I think that it was a pretty natural flow for me because I already knew that I wanted to speak to other topics. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to just like announce this is a Bitcoin podcast and I'm only talking about Bitcoin. Um, so yeah, I don't even know if I really answered your question to be honest, but. Uh, well, I mean, what's been great is to watch like, again, I, there are a lot of people who ask me or Gunner, uh, you know, how would you go about this if you were going to start over? You know, what mm. did you do? What do you, what advice do you have for me? And I tell everybody basically oh, okay. the same stuff. I don't even know if you remember kind of what we talked about. Um, <laughs> I don't think I took any notes. No, I remember, no, I remember the conversation. Nor should you have, but yeah. But, uh, I'm trying to remember some of the helpful points that you that you gave me. To be honest, I don't remember the exact I remember. things I said. <laughs> but uh, what I can say is that anybody who comes to me, I'll say more or less the same stuff. I'll say, okay. put tin in the can before you release anything. Mm. Get get it done, even if it's just with your you know iPhone talking to your best friend. Mm. Get it mm -hmm. done, mm -hmm. and okay, yeah. once you've done those two things, edit it yourself mm. because you need to be okay with doing the grunt work yourself for the first however long yeah. if yeah. you don't have the money to put up for like a studio and you know editors yeah because that's going to be the part that keeps you from doing it and if you mm. can withstand that part and you love talking to people enough or talking about whatever your subject is for 10 episodes mm -hmm. you're already successful because something like you know 80 percent of podcasts or whatever it's not the right number yeah don't make yeah. it past 10 yeah yep. so if you can get 10 in the can that you're ready to go you can go past that. Uh, and very, very few people actually do it. I can't mm -hmm. tell you how many people are like, yeah, yeah, excellent, awesome. And yeah. they never actually put it all out and right. try. Yeah. So, you know, the biggest thing, and I I need to take my own advice on this sometimes, but one of my favorite sayings is do it scared. You're going to be scared. You're going to be afraid that it's not enough. You're going to be afraid oh, yeah. that you're For wrong. Sure. You're going to be afraid that you sound stupid. Dude. You're going to be afraid of the comments. Yeah, I just, um, I just, I literally, <laughs> I literally woke up today. Yeah. And I try not to touch my phone or yeah. social media to yeah. start the first couple of hours. Right. And I was looking, before I went to bed, I was looking mm -hmm. at Instagram and I left Instagram open. Mm -hmm. So when I opened up my phone, first, it, thing, you saw. first thing I saw was my feed. Mm -hmm. And it was the likes, like the notification feed. And the yeah. first comment was a comment on a conversation that I had with David Cohodes. Mm -hmm. And we were speaking to, because he he's a men's uh, coach in uh that's very a very generalized way to to say what he does sure but he's very um he's sensitive to other people's bodily energy like he's able to read people pretty well yeah intuitively um and i in the clip i was like yeah i think my whole life i've been very empathetic like i'm very uh i have a very sharp um acute sense to people's body language to how like their feelings and mm. you know uh there's many different opinions that people may have but like the, the the label of empath like you know uh you you just have more of a of an intuitive sense um and sharp sense to other people's feelings and i just actually did a, a, a podcast with these two girls and we did uh talked about myers-briggs and mm. how people are more instead of intuitive they're more sensical mm -hmm. um and i've had guests on where i can totally feel that they're not as like um you know they're, they're more introverted they don't have, like feel as much or have as much empathy sure for others 
And so I, in this clip, I'm saying how like uh, I'm, I feel that I've, I've been able to feel others pretty deeply. It's just been like a, a double-edged sword. Mm-hmm. And I, I said in the clip, I was like, I'm, I'm an empath or, so, or something like that. I feel like I've yeah. been an empath. And this guy was like most, this guy commented on it. He was like, most people that I've met that say that they're an empath are very self-absorbed. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, this is a great way to wake up today. Right. <laughs> you know, like, and I was like, Maybe he's right. Maybe I should yeah. consider that I'm too self-absorbed. Um, and maybe that's the whole reason why I did this podcast was like, Take I wanted to. Te- so I can match you. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Get gotta, get, gotta get, gotta get grounded. Yeah. I, I <laughs> for some reason, I just started yeah. that trend like the first few episodes. Yeah. And uh, it's been, it's been, a, I don't know, been nice and relaxing. So. Part of the Shane Larson podcast. I do need you to blur my feet because they, I do have an <laughs> only feats out there that makes a, uh, the majority of my rent money. So if you're oh, looking man, for it, I didn't know this. I would have fucking, listened. I would have washed all your feed. It's called Seth's toes. Um, Seth's toes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you wake up to this message and something that we talk about whenever we're around is what self work is and how that actually manifests in your life. So mm-hmm. you, you get this message that is kind of an insult in some ways. Somebody's kind of digging for a reaction potentially. Who knows not, what yeah, it is. He may not even meant to And mean. he may mean it helpfully, right? Yeah. Because like a lot of the psychology around an empath is like people who tend toward that or feel intuitive or feel like they can read people easily mm-hmm. are typically from environments where they had to. Yep. Whatever that means. Absolutely. Yep. Um, and I don't like, I don't have any judgment or color on that. That could mean any number of things, mm-hmm. right? Could mm-hmm. mean you moved around a lot. It could mean your parents fought. could mean yeah. whatever, yep. right? So that person could be trying to be helpful, but how do you then take that and um, using all of, you know, you're very integrated in the the growth community. So how do you integrate that into your life? Mm. That's a great example of how that could manifest. Well, I think, you know, I, I had a long conversation around a fire pit last night with some friends and mm-hmm. I've been like really, my mind has been hyperactivated lately with just questioning everything. Mm-hmm. about this podcast yeah and he, here's the thing is like i i've had doubts but i've also had confirmations like you're doing something right mm-hmm. like i without asking like unwarranted feedback like yeah. really good feedback yeah from from guests like i had a friend last night that was at, at the fire pit and he and i was like dude i don't know like i don't want to be just bolstering my ego and i really want to make sure that i stay aligned with like making this conversations that really help the guest maybe shine a light on them mm-hmm. open their hearts more become you know like not to sound super uh mushy gushy but like you try to e- like emulate a loving energy to the world because mm-hmm. i think that's what the world needs and at the same time like as a man you also want to have the the firmness and the steadiness and have that balance so like i'm just constantly trying to to um you know, I'm just making sure that that I'm doing these, doing this for the right reason, and yeah. doing with this with, with the right intention. And and I, and my buddy was like, "Dude, you absolutely are doing the right thing." Because I felt so, I felt, I can't remember exactly what he said, but he was honored and he felt it was a privilege to be able to speak. Like he has a few poems, and like mm-hmm. it was the first time he was able to like say it publicly and put that on social media. And then I've had other, I had a uh, a friend, an old friend. You know, I had Corey uh, Hibben. I hope that's mm-hmm. how you pronounce his last name. I asked him a question. I was like, how did you how did you learn to let go in life? He's like, probably yeah. my divorce. And then he went off on this riff and I made a clip of it and I had someone reach out and they're like, dude, this fucking hit me. Yeah. Like, thank you so much for sharing this. And I was like, 
I'm, I'm grateful that it resonated with you. And then, so there's like these different examples of like, this is, this is helping others and helping people. And I've had different points of, you know, dozens of points of feedback like that. And then you get the hate, maybe not the hate, sure. not super hateful right now, but you get some people that push back and they say things that are not so nice. Mm-hmm. And then, and some of it's like, maybe like, like this guy today, mm-hmm. I actually was like, okay, how do I integrate this? I actually, yeah. I actually thought about it. And before I like did anything, I did some like breath work because I just woke up, right? I, did, right. I took a, to like did a, did some breath work and just like relaxed. But I actually um, thought about okay, how how is he pr- maybe right? But also, what's the op? It's like the law of polarization. There's two sides to like everything. Mm-hmm. And so I went and chat GPT, and I said, "What is the?" Uh, I I I say, "Give me the definition of an empath, and then give me an argument towards why." Um, you know, or how empaths aren't self-absorbed. And it was like, um, people tend to actually neglect their own. Um, so empaths might sometimes neglect their own, uh, emotions or mm-hmm. like the way that they're, cause they're, like you said, they might've been in, in environments where their parents were abusive or something. And so they had to work in certain work in that environment to to like make sure they controlled certain things so they mm-hmm. didn't check themselves, right? So like that was a cool reflection. I was like, you know what? He's got a point and there's also this opposite side to it. Right. And so that's how I integrated that at that moment, but I I think that for me I'm really trying to find a balance. I said this to Matt, um my buddy Matt Worthington, like it's a balance of self-awareness and not just, just knowing when to recognize you're not too inside your head and, and to, to not stress your body so much as we were mm-hmm. talking in the sauna. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's a constant process. It's been very challenging, but also like, it's been fun. It's been fulfilling. And I'm just trying to make sure that I don't sacrifice one, my health, Sure. And also like integrity and the mission and, and, and yeah, it's a lot. It, it's been, it's been fun. It's I like fun that. Thing. I like hearing that. And again, it's beautiful to see the evolution from maybe this is a Bitcoin podcast to bringing on people that, you know, we both know and love mm-hmm. and hearing mm-hmm. those different points of view, because it's interesting to see how different people can bring out different colors in you, yeah. and different parts of you and ask the right question in the right way. Like with mm. Corey, that's a great question, right? Yeah. And you may never, he may never have gotten that from somebody else or felt like he was in the right place where he could say that. Mm. So with you right now, what is, what is the mission? I, mm. do you consider yourself, you know, a high performer and what is the ultimate goal here or do you have one? So, I, I mean, I don't know if I'm, I, I, I think it's a subjective to measure if I'm a high performer or not. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have a nine to five. I, sure. I release a podcast episode per week. I do the full edit. I, I yeah. make all of the clips. I release all of the clips. I schedule all the episodes. Thankfully, this podcast studio is pretty automated for me to come in here, plug yeah. in a few things and press record. Um, but I've, I'm pretty much doing most of the work <clears throat> on the on the, on the the back end as mm-hmm. well as on, on the front end. So I don't know. I mean, I, I think that I'm working pretty hard on it. And I go to the gym and I do all these mm-hmm. different things and yeah. I work that nine to five and I'm constantly learning on different stuff uh, with that nine to five because it's like Bitcoin related stuff. Um, so who knows? I mean, some people are like 
you know, they're running a hundred, hundred miles like your brother. Sure. Yeah. You know? yeah. And, Gunner's uh, badass. That's, that's a high performance <laughs> in, my, in, my, in my view, yeah. but the mission, um, you know, I think it's okay to have selfish goals. Um, so to go from a selfish perspective, like I mm -hmm. genuinely have resonated very much so with like people like Jordan Pearson. Not everybody agrees with him or likes, mm -hmm. likes him nowadays. Um, or like Joe Rogan or, um, Chris Williamson, like I have a desire to ask them questions and let the flow of consciousness between the two of us just commence. Mm -hmm. I think that's super, super cool opportunity and it's possible. Yeah. So that's like a selfish dream and mission is to be able to have conversations and not limit myself from thinking that I don't, you know, don't have the ability to do that. Yeah. But the main thing too, I think is that um, not being so in my head and really trying to embody, you know, coming from the heart as well, yeah. uh, which sounds mushy gishy and and uh, I mean it know, does, but like that's it's okay. Yeah, it's yeah. I think it's really important. Like I have seen it, I've observed through just history, you know, history books, and understanding how men can maybe be coming from a rational uh, prefrontal cortex self-interest mission and mm -hmm. they harm many people in the process or they harm themselves yeah and i think that when you try to lead with love in a heart-centered um way of being it, it can help drive the conversations and drive because ultimately i want to reach a wider a wider audience <clears throat> and i think based off of what i've seen with covid what i've seen with division with politics what i've seen with Amer I, I would argue that, um, and I had this conversation with some of the guys last night at the fire pit. We we were talking about like the breakdown of American culture, yeah. like where we like America has an, uh, maybe like a uh, an identity crisis, if you will. Mm -hmm. And a part of me was, you know, uh, from a personal perspective, I was really afraid. I was like, "What is happening to America? Like, what's going on with all these riots during COVID?" And it's like, how do how how can I help? You know, mm -hmm. and not from this masochist viewpoint either. Like, I'm not trying to be like, oh, you know, I'm your savior. Listen to the <laughs> Shane Larson podcast. But like, genuinely, like, how can I do something that challenges me, makes me a better, like, formulates a better character? And it's not coming from, from a big ego. It's coming from the, the heart and helping others and helping maybe create more intelligent uh, participants in society, more loving participants in, in society. And at the same time being like honoring people's uniqueness and respecting their, their rights and their freedom. Mm -hmm. So it's like a, a nice, you know, combination of, cause like Bitcoiners, they, whenever I talk about love and all this stuff, it's like, they think of collectivism and sure. collectivism is just kind like of the, the devil. Yeah. yeah. They're just like, fuck that. Like I'm a libertarian or a free market, well, you know? So let's drill down for a second because I, it, I like where you're going with this. Um, what does leading with love look like and how do you take the way you do it here out into the world? What does leading from love look like? Because people say it a lot. And yeah. I, I mean, I, I kind of want to know what it means to you. You know, it's been kind of difficult to open my heart. And, mm -hmm. and I've actually been questioning what does that even mean? And being in the Austin health, spiritual, fitness, entrepreneur, like these different segments of 
of uh, the Austin demographics, um, I really was able to to truly like embody and feel like, oh, this is what it means to open your heart mm-hmm. when I did ayahuasca. And sure. I'm very much aware that it's it's a tool. It is not like this savior. It's not something that you want to totally rely on because it can also be your poison if you use it too much, you know? Sure. Uh, but I think it, we all know the... I've been on 20 ayahuasca trips. <laughs> ah, let's do cocaine. Um, that guy's out there uh, at every bar in Austin at about 1.30 a.m. But uh, so, oh my god! So but, again, like, what what did you discover during that? What does leading with love mean? What does it look like? What's well, yeah? So like doing doing that uh, plant medicine mm-hmm. really did help with activating and like recalibrating my body and my mind and my soul in a a way that I can't even put into words. Mm -hmm. Um, And I truly felt like this effortless, like feeling of bliss and like, Oh, you don't have to do anything to prove anything or whatever. And um, just felt a lot of just love. I mean, I, I, it sounds, it's, it's, it's pretty hard to describe, but um you know, try, trying to do certain things in your life that that still opens you up to compassion, to empathy, but not to a point where you're like seeping over. Like, you know, I had a conversation with Stephen Young and he was saying, I see all these men that are trying to get into their feminine and tap in and to surrender to the universe. And like, you know, even if you're... you're your family's in in a house and it's burning and it's like, it's like, oh, just surrender to the yeah, yeah. Don't save your family. Yeah, there still needs to be a masculine balance. Um, so I, I think um, trying to lead with an open heart, but also a sharp and strong mind is very difficult. And it's a mm-hmm. process that I'm still trying to figure out. Um, what does it look like? What does it look like? I think... That's a good question. You know, I, I I think it's certain practices, whether it's plant medicine or like holotropic somatic breath work, mm-hmm. whether it's uh, going to therapy, whether it's, um, or it's none of those things. It's just like going on a hike and doing nothing. Yeah. Like we were just, like talking about, like just doing nothing. I know that sounds, but but just like relaxing and, not trying to do anything and um and i think that when you you sit in the stillness when you when you work on uh, yeah i don't know man i don't even know how to answer that i think that's it's it's a process that i'm still undergoing Mm -hmm. i i i think that it's just being open-minded and balanced and self-aware and I think that if you're so in your head, what I've found is like if you're so in your head and you get too attached to things, you become more self-interested and you become more selfish. And then mm-hmm. you don't really have a capacity to to empathize with other people. Um, and so if you're too in, into your head, you know, then you're not open-hearted in a way. And yeah, so it's, it's like a form of self-indulgence. Yeah. You know? I think we all know people who are like, well, I'm healing. I'm on my healing journey. Right. And I, I do this, this, and this, and this is a boundary, and I'm not doing this. But it's coming from the ego. And you're like, all, yeah. what do you actually mean when you say you're healing? Because honestly, <laughs> yeah. it sounds like what it means is you get to be an asshole to everybody with no reason. Right. Yeah. So whenever I hear like all these self-healers <laughs> and whatnot, I'm all for it. I think growth is so right. important. Yeah. And especially you know the individual growth you do on yourself as you 
examine actions, behaviors, and put those against the morals and the values that you theoretically uphold, Mm -hmm. as well as the communities that you enter into that hopefully provide you with the tools and the foundation and the space to experience, examine, and take those into the world. Mm. They always forget that take it into the world part. Right. It's like, it's super easy to be integrated and loving after an ayahuasca ceremony with everybody that <laughs> yeah. hanging around, oh my God, I just had a breakthrough. Yeah. I saw God, I became God, and then I was a sparrow flying on the back of an <laughs> eagle, and then I went underwater and visited the ocean animals, and I could talk to everybody, and my dad finally forgave me for yeah. leaving my toys out in the rain. Like, that's really easy, because everybody's in that kind of same realm with you. Yeah. But yeah. you come back here, and, you know, the blue hair at Starbucks forgets to spell your name right on your cappuccino, and they give you soy milk instead of regular milk. And damn it, I just wanted regular milk. Like, foam it right, yeah. you asshole. Yeah. That's when it gets hard to leave with love, right? Mm-hmm. Or at least that's the challenge. So mm-hmm. whenever you take those experiences and you've you know, you've had this beautiful oneness with the universe mm-hmm. and you bring it back here, what is that work? What does that actually look like? Yeah, and that's something that, once again, yeah. I'm, I'm in the process of doing because I've had subconscious, because I'm going to another ceremony. I, yeah. uh, there's a specific spiritual path that does incorporate ayahuasca mm-hmm. um, that has resonated with me, but I'm also getting so much feedback from people like, that is not the thing, though. Like, you shouldn't totally rely on that. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, but I see all these other people that yeah. have followed this spiritual path, this one lineage, right. right? And they are like, dude, like, I mean, I know it's in those circles when you're under the influence of the the medicine, the plant medicine. So that might be the reason why. But like even talking to them, my buddy Brandon had like an orientation with one of them and Mm -hmm. they just seem so um, grounded, present, um, understanding, have the capacity to to meet those people where they are. So I'm like curious. I'm like, you're still doing this. So you're still like, you're still taking this like, hundreds of times, maybe like, you know, 50, 60 times a year. And so I'm like, what? like, so I'm getting these, di- these uh, different mm-hmm. points of feedback. But I think if outside of plant medicine, outside of ayahuasca, yeah, if you were to take back, say, okay, this is the last time I'm going to do ayahuasca. I'm going to take what I learned and apply it. I think it's a big practice for me. And I know we were talking about this, you know, meditation, mm-hmm. sitting with no objective no agenda agenda, so like you like naval ravikant talks about meditation you have no expectations you don't even have to like have the agenda to focus on your your breath and your stomach you just fucking sit there whatever comes up is whatever comes up Mm -hmm. but no agenda whatsoever i have found that and this is the first modality that i did before any anything before i came to austin before i did sauna or ice bath or any of these things it was meditation and i would just do it every day for maybe a half an hour, sometimes an hour, and I would have no expectations and I would just have a little bit of assisted help with like the meditation course just to help in the beginning. And then afterwards, it's just like, you just sit there and like whatever happens. And something, there's something about that where it's like, you know, the the laws of thermodynamics, there's psychic entropy. Like Mm -hmm. it just puts order and clarifies and crystallizes like your, if you have a lot of disorder and you're in your psychic, Mm -hmm. you know, your psychic mental bubble um there's something to just sitting there with no agenda and letting whatever flows flows and then you kind of come out of that and you, you're just more in your natural state and yeah. i know all these things like you could it's like turtles all the way down like you could still yeah. like, what is your natural state and like what you know you could keep asking all these questions but all i know is that coming from a place where i was in a very painful 
point in my life emotionally, mentally. Like I did not take care of myself and it just built up for so long. And then I got into meditation and I was like, oh my God. Yeah. Just sitting here and doing nothing and being aware of the, the things that comes up and not being attached to whatever um, has led, led me to be more at peace with myself, more at peace with others, um, mm -hmm. not as attached to certain things. And so I think that ultimately you do become more compassionate. You become more heart-centered to other people around you. So if you were to just, yeah. you know, just take out all the, the biohacking and, and all, yeah. of, all of that, like just the simple aspect of the breath yeah, uh, and just sitting and having no agenda, it, it does bring you back and being in nature. One of the things I really love about meditation in general is it does take away all of the, these external needs of like, I'm going to sit in this hot room. I'm going to yeah. sit in this cold water. And it may, it makes you just be with yourself. Mm -hmm. There's no, there's no ability to say I'm doing a thing. You're cause you're not. Yeah. The point is to not. Yeah. Uh, same thing with like, you know, again, we talked about taking a walk in nature without phones or anything. Yeah, and like, yeah. no, I'm not going to like do a hard hike. I'm just going to like chill out and look at trees. Yeah. Like fucking goddamn man. It's mm -hmm. easy. Mm-hmm. And I think every single person we know at the gym who does hard things would have such a hard time yeah. just chilling out with a bunch of trees. Uh, yeah. And I think that's one of the more interesting just observations. There's Again, I don't have necessarily a lot of judgment on it, although I will make fun of it. Uh, <laughs> but the, the Do Hard Things crew has such a hard time being. Mm. And there's something about like, I don't know if you know anybody uh, in recovery or who is an ex-addict. Oftentimes, they get so hell-bent on other activities. You're like, bro, you just swapped an addiction for a different addiction. Mm -hmm. Thank God it's mm -hmm. healthier because it makes you less of a dick. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, you're clearly still running it, from yourself. Yeah. Yes. And I think that's, to your point, I do think that there is a place for retreats, plant medicine. You mm -hmm. know, um, mm -hmm. I mean, I've, I've used mushrooms myself. Uh, I've, I've taken one very, very large dose. Mm -hmm. And it was a truly transformative experience and helped pave the way to handling a lot mm. of the challenges I would encounter over the next yeah. little bit. Yeah. And I think maybe it's mostly most plant medicines do this, but uh, this kind of thing where it's like, it's okay. There's this whole like, it's okay yeah. thingness yeah. to it. Yeah. They just remind you like, yeah. you're part of us. This, this whole thing is finite. Mm -hmm. You're okay. Yeah. And it just kind of always reminds me of this this quote. Then I don't remember who said it, but one of the philosophers, much smarter uh, than me, said, "The point of life is to live it, man." Mm -hmm. I added the man, but <laughs> we do all of these things and we go on these retreats, and you know, sometimes we can't admit that we just like doing drugs and getting fucked up. Right? Like right. there are plenty of absolutely there are plenty yeah. of gurus out there who just enjoy, you know, the trip that you get from ayahuasca because yeah. it's entertaining <clears throat> as hell. You know, I've spoken uh, to my buddy Jay about this. Yeah. He led these retreats. He's like, yeah. it, it, he said the same thing. Like some people just do it because it, they enjoy it. Yeah. It's just, it's like almost recreational. Whether you know? they admit that or not is a different story. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm trying to be f very honest with myself in this yeah. podcast is what challenges me to do that. And, um, yeah, you make a really valid point. The do hard things crew and, 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 uh, Constantly who, pushing yourself and whatnot. It was necessary. Like, I, yeah, I like yeah. that as well. Mm. And I I just think it's hard um, to dance with both. For sure. And you can be compensating. You could be, you know, you could be, you know, going back to the addict mm -hmm. who was doing 
cocaine maybe and addicted addicted to cocaine they were yeah. now they're not doing cocaine but they're addicted to going to the gym and they're going every single day pumping it like mm-hmm. maybe it's a little bit it's definitely healthier yeah uh, it's a lot healthier, a lot healthier. <laughs> <laughs> but like you're, they might still be not stretching as much right. and there's certain aspects of their mental health that they're not that, that they're not taking into account that they're maybe yeah. neglecting and so yeah, man, I'm, I'm all for, I'm all for being real with yourself and constantly questioning. And at the same time as having discernment to not over question yeah. too. So I think that meditation. Because whenever you over question, you can definitely get into that overthinking analytical. Yeah. I was, um, I was, I'm reading about like relationships and whatnot yeah. and something that can happen when somebody decides to dive into discovering, okay, what's attachment style theory? What are these mm. things? Right. Yeah they can start labeling. They're like, okay, well, this is a toxic relationship and I'm avoidant because you don't have space for my emotions. And Mm -hmm. suddenly you've gone down this path of labeling and putting all of these things and your partner into Mm -hmm. this box that they may or may not even belong in. Right. But you've decided that you're the one doing the work. So now you've overthought this relationship into toxicity. Whereas if you had just taken a step back and said, you know what? I should probably just apologize for this thing mm. rather than get defensive. Yeah. It's it, it's that easy, but not that. It's that simple, but not yeah. that easy, right? Yeah. And I think that's the theme of a lot of this particular generation's growth is like simple, not easy. Mm-hmm. You're overthinking everything. Yeah. And maybe that's indicative of the way that we consume information. I mean, you mentioned, you know, the feed, right? It's called the feed, that's hilarious. <laughs> we are cons- we are eating all of this information yeah, yeah. from the get-go. As soon as we wake up, we are just consuming everything. And what are we actually putting out into the world? Um, yeah, it's a, dude, you're, you're fucking hitting some home runs here. Um, yeah, like the whole <laughs> Myers-Briggs and the yeah. attachments, like it's with good intentions. Yeah, to, absolutely. To like maybe you noticed in the relationship that you can improve upon certain things. So you read that book and then that book gives you these categories of different ways that you can be. So then you start labeling a little bit too much and then you overjudge your partner and then you overjudge yourself. And it's like, Oh my God. Like, so, cause I'm also reading, you know, I did the Myers-Briggs thing and I'm going to be doing like this dating event that is, uh, has the intention to, to align you with someone with the, you know, the goal of a long-term relationship, like a male, like I I want a long-term relationship i want a wife and i want some kids and i, I want to have a harmonious relationship and so mm-hmm. they they are using myers-briggs and personality tests and then other other aspects like other questions too that can help with maybe finding symbiotic relationships that really work and yeah. so it's like yeah the, the abundance of information like over intellectualizing um, whether it's relationships, whether it's the bio, and I don't even mm-hmm. like, I no longer, um, enjoy biohacking and I don't think I've really used biohacking, but just the, like, think about the term, right, you're the terminology. hacking your you're hacking way your to biology like, for what you think you're smarter <laughs> than your body. Go for it. I'll wait. Like, okay. Fine. Well, that's the thing is like, is yeah. it, it, uh, Steven Young, uh, yeah. recent podcast guest, he's like, I call it bio loving. And even sure. Huberman was, um, yeah. Put out a video about red light therapy, the benefits of red light therapy, yeah. but he was like, this is a big thing in the biohacking uh atmosphere but he was like i do not like that term biohacking at all bio loving you know bio loving whatever and there's definitely things you can do to to maybe really bring longevity to your lifespan on a 
objective physiological standard. But yeah, when you get so sucked into it and you're mm -hmm. stressing about it, yeah, you're like, you've gone too far. Yeah, I mean, the stress I, in itself is depleting. Is depleting you. all of these things. <laughs> yeah. One, and we all know the guy or the girl or we know, the person who can't not do their three hour routine or they're fucked the entire day. Yeah, it's like listen, if you can't operate correctly mm. or well without mm -hmm. your like five hour fitness regimen in the morning where you're drinking salt water and red lighting and sauna yeah, and yeah, ice yeah. and this workout and this way, you're wrong. I'm, I'm sorry. You're wrong. Like you're just <laughs> flat out wrong. Your approach is messed up. If, if you have to spend that much time to be this level of productive, mm -hmm. you're just going about it in the hardest way possible. There's a mental attachment, which there. is fine. Yeah. Uh, and that's, I think that's okay. Um, clearly I'm not the richest man in the world or anything like that. So maybe they have something on me, Yeah. but I mean, I wrote something about this a long time ago in a journal. Um, and it might've, it might've qualified for a story post, who knows? <laughs> but I was like, I don't want to biohack my way out of anything. I want to feel every single second of what it is to be human. I want to mm. know all of the pain, all of the agony, give me the struggle Mm. so that I know what being human was and I can leave knowing that I had every single experience possible on mm -hmm. this planet because without all of that shitty stuff that comes with aging, hard, you know, things that are, joints that hurt, whatever, yeah. you miss out on so much growth, so much character, so much opportunity to expand into what it means to be human. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean, I fucked my back up a year ago, two mm -hmm. years ago, however long it was, I had surgery about a year ago. And I, it sucks. It's one of the worst things that's ever happened to me. Mm -hmm. But it has also opened up the avenue to help people, to mm -hmm. be a resource, to re-examine the way that I go about training, to yeah. ask why I do it the way I do it, yeah. and to find ways to push myself in other areas that I was neglecting because it was easy to push myself in the gym. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, so probably de develops a sense of patience too. Absolutely, you got to go slow and got to go slow. Got to rebuild. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, you know, sometimes the universe makes you do mobility, <laughs> and uh, but you know, <laughs> uh, you learn. You either learn or they force you to learn. Mm -hmm. um, and I, you know, sometimes you have to do things the hard way. I certainly am one of those people. Yeah. I kind of don't know what's right until I've tried every other avenue. Um, yeah, but the biohacking space is weird. I. I have a big distaste for a lot of it. And yet, you know, we sauntered, we ice bathed. Like, it it was fun. It's yeah. a nice shared experience. Yeah. Um, there's <laughs> definitely benefits I feel when I do certain things at certain times and certain combinations. Mm -hmm. But I'm also not going to stress about, like, turning on my red light at 7 <laughs> eight. I'm going to read my book with a lamp because I can see the pages better. <laughs> I'm not going to put on blue blockers. I'm sorry. Like, I'm not going to wear sunglasses to bed. I'm yeah, not that yeah. type of asshole. Yeah, yeah. I am a certain type of asshole, but not that type. <laughs> yeah, it, it just gets to be too much. Yeah, and there's definitely there's there's something to improving. Yeah, your life, improving the the experience and the quality. But once it gets to a point where there's like a strong mental attachment, yeah, and like you don't want to like because like when you're wearing the blue light and you're you know you're like I gotta go to the sauna every yeah. single day, like. I've been in that camp. I might still be in that mm. camp. Like I do enjoy going to the sauna, but like, you know, I went, I went back home to Massachusetts for Christmas yeah. and Thanksgiving and I was like, I'm fine not doing ice baths yeah, or something. You sauna. didn't die. I'm good. Yeah. And then when I came back, I was like, oh man, the sauna feels real good. Like, and absence creates a feeling of, you know, 
euphoria when you get to do it. Like yeah. not having something is just as important as having it sometimes. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, you know, I, I, we were speaking in the sauna about, mm -hmm. you know, I think that I've been, I've been receiving indications of like, I'm putting too much stress on my body and yeah. I've been I'm genuinely trying to notice that. And there's been moments where I'm like, oh, all right, that's like stressed me out a little bit. Like, but if I just get stressed out about the fact that my body's signaling to me that I might be yeah. overstressing my body physically, like maybe, you know, okay, that's not going to work. So, yeah. and that's like the thing is sometimes you do it stressed and it's okay. Mm -hmm. the, that's the part that bothers me about the biohackers the most is like they're trying all of these things to fandangle a perfect environment, mm -hmm. neglecting that out there, there is no perfect environment. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love Michael Easter's The Comfort Crisis. He talks about how mm. we're just too comfortable. Yep. Um, wonderful, wonderful book. Uh, really informed the year after my back surgery. Mm. Um, a year of discomfort, if you yeah. will. Yeah. And yeah. I really think that there's something to be learned about not consistently living in your head in these things. So I'm going to ask you one of my favorite questions to ask people with growth-oriented mindsets. Mm -hmm. How many self-help books have you read? A lot. More than 20? Um, probably. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's gotten to a point where I don't right. as much. Like, I'm reading one that's talking about, it's it's pretty dope. I'm going to see if I can find. Yeah, please. Uh, and, yeah, while you're trying to find it, just like the concept of, of a self-help book is like to yeah. address an issue theoretically. Well, like subconsciously, you're and taking yeah. in the belief. You're, you're that you're broken. That you're broken. Yeah, yeah. 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 And there's, there's, look, I'm a self, I'm an ex-self-help junkie. I don't know that I've read a self-help book in 10 or 15 years, but mm -hmm. um, I definitely, you know, started off with some of the the classics, right? Four Agreements, yeah. How to Win Friends and Influence People. And there's certainly a lot of utility to, to be gained from a lot mm -hmm. of these books, mm -hmm. but you read enough of them and you're like, this is the same book. Yeah. Like yeah. it's, it's said it, it, there are different words here for sure, <laughs> but it's the same yes, type of yeah, thing. Right. Yeah. So what, what was your like biggest aha moment in that particular part of your journey? How were you able to integrate it and what has driven you away from that particular, uh, you know, literature lately? Well, <clears throat> I wouldn't even say that I'm totally away from it. No. I think that um, lately I've been reading, I still read nonfiction. I'm reading a book called Gift of the Body. I'm reading mm -hmm. The Power of Awareness by Neville Goddard. I'm reading about, um, it's like a new thought philosophy, I believe, um, that just govern, it's, it's a, it's a new way to conceptually understand consciousness and, um, just being, like the power, <clears throat> the power of awareness specifically speaks to the wish fulfilled and how you can drive forward conceptually and feel the wit, like feel like feel as if you've already accomplished something that you mm -hmm. want to accomplish. Um, and I wouldn't say that's like, I mean, I guess you could categorize that into self help, or that's like the study of consciousness and how to operate as a human being with more op, like more biohacking, mm -hmm. uh, optimize optimizing your ability to get things done mm -hmm. as a man like i want to be able to do that and you're going to have a lot of di different things in life that come up that you need to adjust to and adapt to sure. so if you can find the one thing that you you can like so understanding consciousness understanding how to operate in an efficient manner that uh you know you have a conceptual mission 
mm-hmm. or you know goal and you're able to utilize you know your 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 emotional brain and your thinking brain in a harmonious and more efficient way like that's something that i think is great um sounds very useful yeah and from like a like i'm not totally in self-interest i think i've i've, I've been more uh attracted to what's happening in society uh more spiritual stuff i i've been really trying to be genuine about a, a, a like a um spiritual embodiment like just like following a spiritual path um that's not you know that's not um woo woo spiritual heady um it's it's like so the gift of the body this book that i'm reading it speaks to um grounded spirituality i really mm-hmm. like the way that it, he phrases it that way what does that mean well i don't think he has a, an exact definition it's like his whole book really describes that but the first part of the book speaks to the various bodies that we have mm-hmm. so we obviously have this physical body then we have a mental body an emotional body etheric body which i would need to kind of touch up upon because it's a different form of you know it's different than the emotional but then you have yeah the mental emotional etheric physical spiritual bodies and he gets into this in great detail and speaks to this framework that you can you can have and any it's pretty profound like that the majority of our physical illnesses come from the mental body being blocked mm-hmm. and um so i couldn't do it justice with trying to get it all together but sure. it's it's this gentleman formulates his words in a way that to me when i read them do not come off as um immaterial bullshit extremely mystical yeah, yeah. immaterial yes and so I'm really trying to understand that because I've, yeah, I've still been kind of in that spiritual carrot, you know, yeah, like, yeah. I, like, um, going, like doing all these different things that we've been doing and just trying to like let go of that and make things more simple. So like mm-hmm. I, my, my diet's very simple. I yeah. eat eggs, I eat meat, I eat some veggies, I eat some fruit and some dairy. Yeah. That's it. And I, I'll eat when I'm hungry. Um, I try to meditate more. Like if I don't need coffee, I won't have coffee. Like just trying to keep things a little bit more simple and I'm kind of straying away from your question but i think that you know uh what i've learned very recently like the the conversation that we're having right now resonates with previous discussions Mm -hmm. uh the laws of hermetics which is like the laws of the universe and the laws of polarity and and understanding like presuppositions like marketing tactics use presuppositions presuppositions like yeah on a scale of one to five, how sad are you right now? And it's like, sure. so you're implying that they're sad, right? And mm-hmm. so for me to imply, like, I need to read this self-help book in order to progress forward, just keeps re- reinvigorating this story that I am not enough mm-hmm. or I'm not whole and there's something wrong with me. Yeah. So I'm trying to find that balance of books that, um, you know, don't like... I'm, I'm trying to be aware of that subconscious story that I'm telling myself yeah. and that's difficult. It's be, it's become a, a, a new spot, like a new skill of having that spotlight of awareness of like, like I'm going to go do this dating thing and yeah. I still have this subconscious, um, like I, I, I got this book about, uh, it's like men's sexuality. It's a really cool like Taoist mm-hmm. philosophy and, and actual practical steps you can take to be like a sexual guru, like not guru, but like you can be more, there's more to just, May have to borrow that one. It's, it's dude. I mean, it's gonna, <laughs> it sounds pretty wild, but it's it's no, all about like um, um, elevating your sexual connection 
that mm-hmm. is that seems more harmonious in a way and it's not just for the pleasure of like yeah you just get one off right and it's, it's very very interesting i can send it to you it's 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 it's, it's been blowing my mind and i'm like 30 pages in that's why i have but, my bed on a razor on a razor uh, yeah so Wait. i can elevate my sexuality <laughs> but still at the same time like reading this book yeah i'm i'm still invigorating the story that like uh, maybe um you know romantically or sexually or whatever like, right, i'm not, not i'm not strong and i'm not, i'm not enough and there is evidence from the past that has showed that, right? Yeah. And there has been stories that have occurred from emotional yeah. heightened states in the past. But I'm like, I'm really trying to progress forward with saying, I know that's in the past, but it's like, it doesn't yeah. affect the present anymore. And so. Yeah, the stories we tell ourselves are so powerful. I, you know, if, if it's okay, I want to work with this a little bit. Sure. Um, couple things. One. I love story. I think story is one of the most beautiful things man can create. Mm -hmm. One, because we're always creating it, whether we're conscious of it or not. Right. Two, because we can draft stories that are cross-culturally relevant. You know, Pixar is one of the best at creating story. Yeah. Uh, Whether it's lessons or character archetypes, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. I think it's more powerful than any self-help book you could read. Right. Finally, within that, and we can come back to the story aspect of it because I do want to. Mm Mm-hmm. All of these things that you're doing, all of these things that we do as people who are trying to grow, like how has any of this actually changed your day-to-day approach? Like how has this changed Shane's to-do list? How does this change the way that you do things? Like Shane has an obstacle, right, and mm-hmm. a goal. What are you doing to overcome that based on all these things that you've read? And you now, like you understand hermetics. So how does that change what you do? It's hmm, a big question. Um I mean, specifically with hermetics, mm-hmm. um, it, you know, it, it, it's, it's consciousness is, um, to me, I mean, you can have, uh, you can, you can train your mind to have sharper or duller focus, right? And, and the practice of meditation if you if you are more in an active meditation focusing on your breath versus just letting some things unravel mm-hmm. you can focus on your breath and do that for an hour and be really you know and you can do other things when it comes to focus um other tactics to help with your mental acuity and, and your ability to be sharp and focused um so the laws of hermetics my focus my mental focus has crystallized more towards the things that I'm believing mm-hmm. my beliefs and though that is difficult that is challenging in my in my view at least for now because I'm just getting it's it's permeating more so now uh, more than ever in my life and everything that I do I'm constantly questioning and it can be pretty destabilizing mm-hmm. um and so with the laws of hermetics, like, you know, I'm still learning more about those laws, but I'm like, do I really need to read that book? Because if I read that book, then it's, it could implant certain things about myself, mm-hmm. like, like what we were saying with relationships and attachment theory. Yeah. Um, am I like scrolling on social media because it's just this, you know, habit, this mental habit to do. And like, am I pro, you know, just... Um, yeah, I think that I'm just becoming more and more, I'm trying to subtract more and Mm -hmm. not add more and question my beliefs and my, my subconscious beliefs. But, you know, like, as you might 
as you you can maybe tell just from me like rambling right now, it's been very difficult because I feel like I've just I've put like in the past two years I've just done so much mm-hmm. and I've added so much. I've done plant medicine, I've done sauna and ice and going to the gym, but maybe not resting enough and yeah, maybe taking different supplements and then trying different spiritual paths and reading different books. And it's like what I'm learning now is that just make things more simple. And I feel like I'm not answering your question. I don't care. <laughs> I don't sometimes know I, sometimes uh, answering the question isn't the point. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. it's, we circumnavigate all around um, this meaning that we're trying to create. And there's no reason that you have to answer directly well, anything that I ask, but yeah. like, um, well, one, the one question yeah, you, you yeah. said, how do I operate? Like, how yeah. am I operating after doing these different things? Yeah. I can, I can genuinely say that my, the quality of my life has very much so improved yeah. from reading all of these books and from yeah. doing the ice bath and all this on it. Like it, it has done a lot. And then there's a certain point where you can become attached to it, you yeah. know? And so, well, yeah, I, I just wanted to kind of make that, that note is that I got out of a dark place in my life through just reading, yeah. reading and reading and reading, going on runs, going to the gym, doing all these things. And then there go, there comes a point in life where it's like, maybe draw back a little bit. You don't have to read, you, you don't have to keep reading self-help books, self-help right. books. You can read a fiction book yeah, or you can read a book on the, like, on like, like science or whatever, yeah. whatever, you know, like comedy. You know, I, I think I actually, it's funny. I, um, I think I, I've been lacking comedy in my life. Yeah. I've been taking things too seriously. And I'm just yeah. like, you know what? Fucking like, life is short. Life Laugh is really short. And more, it's dude. not as serious as we think it is. No. You know? Yeah. No, man. So Lobby's I just, important. Yeah. So I think the thing, like, do, to answer your question, because I think your question was like, these things that you've been doing when it, when it comes to reading self-help books or all these different books and, mm-hmm. and operating, it, it has gotten me to a point subjectively to, to feel healthier. And yeah. I would even say from an objective point, if you were to, take certain biometrics. Yeah. You know, I was drinking a lot. I was smoking a lot of weed. I, I felt that I had to consume something to feel like good, mm-hmm. to have a good time. Yeah. And I'm really separating from that. I haven't drank alcohol in over a year now. Yeah. And just a personal challenge. I'm not attached to that either. Sure. But um, it has enabled me to practice. Like you don't need to consume something to to be in the moment and present. Because I used to... Absolutely not. So anyways, I'm going off a tangent there. But... um my subjective quality of life has very much so improved. I feel that the quality of my relationships, my conversations, um, my overall health has has improved. And then it gets to a point where you just want to, you know, not do too much. Like yeah, Ben yeah, Greenfield's, yeah, you know, yeah, of just yeah, yeah. Dude, who's the who's the guy that it's Brian Johnson, right? Who's like yeah, he's a, trying. He's dedicated to wild. decreasing his biological age to whatever it is, and I guess he's somewhat doing that accord I, uh, apparently based on his metrics right yeah so i mean i've looked at the guy and i want no part of that well um, he takes 80 supplements dude and, and he, he eats like he never sees the sun he clearly yeah. dyes his hair like i, I don't know i'm yeah. i am uninterested I'm in whatever in he's that. selling yeah um he take yeah the the taking blood from your son thing that's a little bit it's a little extreme. That, I think you know? I might have briefly yeah, yeah. heard that i didn't know that he yeah, actually did that yeah and like uh there was a, there was a point where he was talking about Cause he's human. Right. And like, he can be like, clearly the man is successful. So that mm-hmm. doesn't come without a level of communication and, you know, ability to like laugh at yourself. Yeah. He was like, yeah, I really like wine. You know, that was the one thing I missed. And I realized the only time I could drink it was at breakfast. So there was a period of time where he was having like three uh, ounces of wine, like after breakfast. 
What the fuck? And that was the only time he could enjoy it. I and mean, yeah. yeah, a lot of this conversation kind of circles because he enjoys it. But uh, like he could only enjoy it then because the otherwise metrics? it would like disrupt his sleep oh, or whatever gotcha, it was. Gotcha, yeah. okay, okay. And so it's like we overmeasure these things into infinitesimal bits and we can't actually differentiate what they are mm. for us anymore. Mm. We're just like living for the metric. Yeah. It's like the recovery score on Whoop, right? Yeah. Um, I refuse I to this. wear a Whoop. But like, wash. like that's that can be so detrimental, I think, because you're chasing this random score based mm -hmm. on God knows what. Yeah. And maybe for a little bit, it's helpful to be like, oh man, I really am not getting the sleep I thought I was or mm -hmm. whatever it is. Mm -hmm. But beyond that, is it useful? Mm -hmm. It's like the curve of whenever you start working out and going to the gym, right? Um, I love using the gym as a metaphor because it's pretty simple mm -hmm. and it, it contains a lot of really good stuff. So like I started working out when I was very young. Uh, my dad worked out. So I was like, oh, I'm going to work out because dad works out. Mm -hmm. I was like, you're big and strong. Cool. I work out for football. It makes me stronger and faster. The, this is great. And then I got really into it and you start studying the science and I became a trainer and it was like all bro, it's, or it was all science-based. Like, okay, well, you have to do this before this and this equals this. Golgi tender, right. tender apparatus. Okay, three reps by this equals this. And you get to the point where you're not actually doing anything. You're just talking about it, reading about it, but you're not practicing anything really. Mm. And then you look over and 10 years have gone by and you're like, I don't even enjoy this anymore. <laughs> And you finally just like do a bicep curl for the first time in 10 years. And you're like, this feels good. And you've come out the other side of that curve going, I work out because it feels good. Makes me big and strong. Science, science, science. I work out because it feels good. Makes me big <laughs> yeah, and strong. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think that's the curve of a lot of these things. Yeah. So when we talk about biohackers or, you know, spiritual gurus who do ayahuasca right. 50 times a year, it's like, I feel like there's a level of that where they're caught in the analytical part. Mm -hmm. They're reading 50 self-help books. They're doing so much plant medicine. And they're so stuck in this way of doing things, they forget why they started in the first place. And they never yeah. take it into the world and just practice it. Mm. Because all this stuff we do in the gym, that's practice. You want to take it out into the real world. Right. And that's where, that's where the real work starts. I think there's, yeah, going to the spiritual yeah. aspect of doing ayahuasca all the time. It's like maybe they're addicted to the feeling yeah. of what the med what that medicine, what what that plant partner, whatever you want to call it, yeah. uh, provides you. And I could totally see that. Like I, the two times I've done it, it felt good emotionally. Yeah. There's certain parts of it that are uncomfortable for sure. Well, yeah, it, but it, even even after that part, like after those things, those purges, you feel great. Yeah, for sure. So it can it can be very helpful, but you can yeah. be addicted to to the to the. I'm always healing, mm -hmm. and yeah, it's just it comes back to still like I don't know. It's just uh, I think as it just comes back to making things simple, but it's yeah. not easy. It's simple, not, not easy. easy. What's what's something that you took from those experiences that you've been able to apply? And what's something that you are actually struggling to apply? So what experiences? The like, ayahuasca experiences specifically. So like you go in and you you have this experience. What's something you learned that you've been able to integrate? And what's something you learned or maybe were shown that you're having trouble integrating? Hmm. Something that I learned was how how our how strong our ego can be mm -hmm. how uh, how our ego can constantly intervene so there are certain points where i genuinely believed that and it wasn't this mission to 
dilute my ego. It just felt like it was pure spirit in a way. Like you were a blank. Mm -hmm. Like there's a there's a there's moments where there was effortless ways of being for like the weeks after doing it, and Mm -hmm. I I learned that the ego can come in and and masquerade in many different ways. And so yeah, this the spirit spiritual superficiality. Like I instead of having cars in the house. I've done ayahuasca this many times this year and I'm posting pictures of it. And it's like, Mm -hmm. it's really, it's really being going, just going back to the stories, the subconscious stories that we have. It's like really plugging into those and being honest with yourself. Yeah. I think I'm doing a okay job and I can improve, but I'm being genuine about it. Like I'm really trying to, to look at those things and, um, things that I'm not doing well that I learned from, hmm. You know, I don't know. I'm not sure. I mean, I think I do meditate and I, I try to meditate without an agenda, but not, it might, Yeah. I, I might, I might not be having leisure time. I, I think I don't have, mm-hmm. like going back to the stress that I, physical stress that I've I've experienced here and there, I think I'm just like, go, go, go still. Yeah. But I think at the same time, I'm like, well, I did sleep like a decent amount and I'm balancing certain aspects of my life and I don't feel that stressed, you sure. know, but um, I don't think I'm giving myself enough leisure time to have no objective. Yeah. Um. So I, I don't think I'm doing that well because when I was, what ayahuasca shows you or that plant medicine and maybe other psychedelics they'll they'll, what they show you is like you're enough like you don't need to do shit man pretty much like life is short and just fucking be yeah all this all these things you're doing to build yourself up that's not it yeah um same with the pot and like that's the whole thing with the podcast is like it's driving me to a place of fulfillment in my life and like adventure and challenge but also make sure that you're not super talented like attached Attached. to it so yeah yeah, i I think those are the two things i mean that definitely like ties into like a singer and the surrender experiment like those types of things Mm. you know the um what is the root cause of suffering is attachment right right that's something that rings true Mm. um man i like whenever you're talking about being empathetic and how you know that this person comments that it's selfish Mm -hmm. right I can see that. And there's there's this really interesting concept. How, how much do you know about like shadow work and young and like somewhat, yeah. somewhat? Yeah. And it's like at its most simple, every strength has like its opposite, you know, weakness. Yeah. Right. Um, man, I love attention. Like I really do. I like talking. I like having people's yeah, attention. Same here. I, I mean, I think we all do I to mean, a like, degree, but sure. But I yeah. moved out to Los Angeles to become an actor after college. Yeah, I saw that. And like that level of, you know, look at me can be very toxic yeah like for especially sure. for sure man i like i especially love the the attention of women right mm. that's one of my favorite things mm-hmm. i get off on it um and that can be poisonous to relationships that can be poisonous to my goals yeah it can be distracting and on the flip side one of the strengths is it has made me a great communicator i think it has pushed me to do things i wouldn't normally do i have had a lot of fun and adventure and learning because I seek a level of importance, but you have to earn those things Mm. and you cannot acquire attention without value. And so on the flip side of the shadow of, you know, being an attention whore is all the work that is okay. 
sure, I like the validation, the attention, but if you can fall in love with the work of what it means to become great at something or to dive fully into something, mm. whether it is attention focused or not, there's something really beautiful and powerful in that. So as you like, you know, try and integrate these things of like, I am enough. It's like, okay, it's not actually about the attention. Like you and I both podcast. Mm -hmm. When Gunnar and I were interviewing people, that is where I felt the most satisfaction and reward is mm. researching somebody, talking to them, yeah, finding out more about them. yeah. And yeah, it was on camera. There was a level of validation there, mm -hmm. but it became not about that. So what in, what in your own life do you feel like maybe that empathy, right, is there? So what's the, what is the actual weakness there and what is the strength that you found through it? The weakness of being an empath or overly empathizing or wanting that attention. Mm -hmm. um, because I know that like the tendency for an empath is to like take on everybody's emotions. And then you become a martyr is like the poisonous yeah. part of it. It's like, yeah. well, I'm doing all of Masochist this. Masochist or martyr. I, and I have yeah. no needs. And yeah. like, you know, at some point that self-sacrifice becomes Yeah, it becomes selfish. Yeah, yeah. it just becomes selfish. It's not attractive in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And so you got to watch for that because that has appeared. Like, you know, certain things happened in my life that were very difficult at a young age and painful. And so it led me to like be attracted to, and a lot of, I mean, billions of kids have been attracted to the stories of Harry Potter. Like yeah. Harry Potter is the the boy who lived and mm -hmm. the boy who, whose parents died and then like was almost killed by the most evil man in the world. Mm -hmm. And that makes him special, yeah. you know? And so I spoke to my recent, my last podcast guest, like you, you know, those pain, those heightened emotional states that you went through at a young age caused some rewiring in your body yeah. and many different systems in your body. And it did formulate this, this sense of being special. Mm -hmm. And so like wanting to seek attention and have some type of value and, and, you know, you can become a narcissist, I think like you, you or at least there's, there's sure. tendencies that can arise in like, I am the center of the universe. Sure. Well, and even, an even more insidious form of that is if you, you know, if you feel like you need to be the best, you will never be good enough. Right. Our friend Noah had reminded me of this saying, and it was when you choose your values, you choose your struggles. If you value mm. strength, you'll never be strong enough. Yeah. If you value intelligence, you'll never be smart it's enough. It's wild. It's a, right? it's a trip. Yeah. yeah, it's a trip. And kind of the same thing. If you feel like you need this level of variety yeah. or, or attention or whatever it is, you'll never feel like you're good enough. But the, uh, the opposite side of that, the positive mm -hmm. sides of that, or you know, I don't even know, like, I try to eliminate right and wrong and positive and negative and like with going right, back to the laws of hermetics. Very, yeah, yeah, you know, very like, much in that vein of there's only feedback. There's no good or bad. Feedback, feedback and information. And so yeah. some of those painful moments and the ability to be a more empathetic person to feel other people more deeply and, and you know, you know that, that, can, that has driven me to, to really understand people more. Like mm. it's given me the skill to sit in the seat and to speak with so many different people yeah. and to immediately be like, I know exactly, like I can feel you. Sure. I, I can feel who you are. And I've sat with other guests that do not have that skill. Like they're yeah. very sensical and they're not able to sit with all these different people. They'd get bored. Yeah. So it's like, I, it's a, it's also, it's a, it's a double-edged sword, man. It's, it's, um, it's something that can drive the, um, you know, the, the, the shadows, aspect of it is yeah it can, it can lead to narcissism it can lead to 
depression, if you're feeling everybody's emotions all the time, mm -hmm. um, it can lead to, you know, other like shadow aspects, but then also it can like drive you to be an, an adventurous and unique person and like mm -hmm. someone that's like super interesting, like, you know, um, so that's, yeah, you know, it's, a, it, everything in life, I think it just comes down to a balance and of self-awareness. Mm -hmm. How, so I feel like you've been interviewing me, man, this entire time. Uh, so going to like Texas, sure. um, and acting like you, so where, where can I continue this? So maybe to go to, to acting, cause I did see some pictures of you acting. Yeah. Um, I didn't really get to watch scenes or anything, but, um, I'm not very good if that's what you're getting at. <laughs> well, no, I just, I mean like you're, you're, uh, so getting into acting, what made mm -hmm. you want to. Because you're not really doing it right now, are you? So I still have an agent. Um, actually, oh, I'm actually okay. not I should be doing. But um, <laughs> the answer is no. Uh, okay. I'm I'm on a light break. Okay. And I started acting when I was like 13, 14. Um, oh, wow. I believe. I actually had yeah, a yeah. big desire to act at the age of like five. Yeah. Um, I remember like when I was a kid, it was like, do you want to be a fireman or a police? I wanted to be a power ranger. And it's like, oh, wait, that's a job. Like, you can become an actor. Like, yeah. that's a thing people do. Um, and it was equal parts just always being, wanting to entertain, wanting to get laughs out of people, wanting to stimulate that thing mm -hmm. um, and create joy in yeah. others. I've always loved it. Like, I, I genuinely love making people laugh and mm -hmm. smile and think. Uh, Same here. Yeah, so, yeah. Like, my, sorry to interrupt. No, please. But uh, that was like, that was my nature. Yeah. Um, I was, I could make people laugh all the time. I still can. Yeah, I think yeah. I've been a little bit more serious over the course sure. of the past few years. Um, so that's why I'm, you know, I'd like to start getting back into the laughter and, and oh, yeah. non-serious stuff. And I, I find it comes out here and there on the podcast. And, yeah. But uh, I definitely want to get more into that. And, but I, I, my nature was like, I was, I was a small little Jim Carrey. I made yeah, the yeah. goofiest faces, made people laugh. I could like imitate different scenes from movies. And mm -hmm. I, I got so much gratification from, from just creating laughter in the room. There's nothing quite like it. When you can make m more than one person laugh at the same time. Yeah. Like it's, it, I mean, it's borderline addictive. Yeah. But uh, there's something really special about being able to create joint consciousness, create tension and break it in a mm. way that creates release and levity right mm. i've always been really drawn to that and you know there's even like really great experiences of just watching movies and bonding with my dad yeah my mom it's like sharing little pieces of you you know it's like taking somebody to your favorite restaurant you're like giving them something kind of vulnerable you're saying i like this i think you're gonna like it too and there's party is like i hope you do because if you don't it's gonna hurt my feelings <laughs> but like it yeah. it tells people about you right the yeah. stories you choose to share are just as important as the ones that you don't, that you keep to yourself, mm. right? So there were a lot of bonding moments with my dad and showing me certain movies. There were a lot yeah. of bonding moments with my mom and, you know, going to watch movies. Um, we used to have this thing where, like, every year uh, she would take me and Gunner out separately to, like, buy school clothes. Mm. And she treated it kind of like a date. And it was like, hey, I'm going to teach you how to, like, take somebody out properly. Mm. Hold doors, you know, you, this is how these yeah, things yeah. work, which... Looking back is really cool. Like, uh, yeah. you know, I had my mom make sure I knew how to respect women and, you know, t treat people well mm -hmm. uh, on those things, which, you know, sidebar, awesome. Yeah. Thanks, mom. <laughs> uh, 
so I've always, I had always kind of wanted to do that. And I remember just being drawn to that aspect of myself. I like performing. Mm. I'm more comfortable in front of a lot of people than I am at like a party. Mm. Um, I feel way more at ease if everybody's looking at me at once than if I have to like go and network. I think I'm the opposite. Yeah. Or I, 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 it's changed in my lifetime. Sure. But if I'm at a party, because yeah. the, all the attention isn't is diffused. focused. Yeah. See, I'm the opposite. I am. Okay so socially anxious in large group gatherings really? like that. Okay. Um, but if everybody's looking at me and I'm talking about something, I feel so fine. Like I'm yeah. comfortable. This is great. I'm fine. Okay. Um, Interesting. So that's, so that is something I noticed and I was drawn to like speech and debate and those things. Acting wasn't really a thing. I'm from a very rural town. Um, so mm. it's not like you can just like go get an agent or like try it out. Yeah. Um, but I did theater in high school and I, I was, you know, for my small town, I was one of the, you know, two leads every year, right? Mm -hmm. um, the play that got me hooked is a play called Cyrano de Bergerac. And it's about um, this uh, this guy with an obscenely large nose who falls in love with this woman who's in love with somebody else. And in order to stay close to her, he coaches the other guy through what to say because the other guy is beautiful, but he's an idiot. So, you know, Cyrano has this way with words. He's poetic and, you know, feels deeply, but he can't bring himself to do the one thing he should do, which is say, Roxanne, I love you, right? Mm. And so he lives vicariously through this other character. It's a beautiful Whoa. play. It's a French play. Um, 10 out of 10 recommend. Wow. Um, there's a movie they made with uh, Steve Martin called Roxanne, if you want to watch the Americanized okay. yeah. version of it. It's pretty good. Mm -hmm. uh, but that was the first time I had truly felt like I had fallen in love with the character, the story, the act of actually performing the play. Mm. Um, I was, I was lucky enough to be the lead of that play. Cool. Got a lot of good feedback, yeah. which is always helpful in those things. One, like wanted to, um, go to school for it. Right. And that just was not an option. Mm. So as much as I'd wanted to, I'd kind of put that on hold while I went to college. And as soon as I graduated college, I was interviewing with these PR firms and these advertising firms and they were all offering internships that were unpaid for like six months. And I was like, why did I just spend the last four years of my life busting ass sort of uh, in all these classes, doing things I don't like to do with people I don't particularly enjoy mm. for a career that's going to make me put another six months on hold and then maybe hire me? Mm. Like I just, there was something in that that broke me. I was like, I went through this process. I checked all the boxes. I did everything right. And what you're telling me is that that wasn't enough yet that I still have to go through this process of mm -hmm. delaying that gratification even more for a job that, to be perfectly honest, I didn't even really want. So at that point, I was like, all right, I've got a couple offers that are, you know, internship to potential job. Mm -hmm. I don't have any debt. I don't have much stuff. Fuck it. I'm moving to Los Angeles. Mm. And I told my parents one night, because um, I'd been I'd been kind of interviewing for the three months after college. It's a big change and, from rural, oh, yeah. rural Texas to Los Angeles, California. So in mm -hmm. 12 hours, I packed everything I needed in my car and drove to Los Angeles. Wow. Um, I had a couch to stay on. I knew one person who didn't live in Los Angeles. They lived in, <laughs> they lived like far away mm -hmm. uh, and kind of got to that point, spent a little bit of time, found an apartment in Los Angeles I could rent. Mm -hmm. to just the weirdest situation in Santa Monica that you could possibly imagine. It was like a corridor they had turned into a room and there was a glass wall into the kitchen that had a curtain that suspiciously kept getting opened. Um, <laughs> it was so weird. Uh, I met my, um, 
my long-term girlfriend, ex-fiance during that time, mm. moved in with her pretty soon and finally started taking acting classes, got some commercials pretty quickly, got an agent pretty quickly, um, was pretty good at doing what I do. Mm. And you learn in camera acting, there's like very much in opposition to play acting, you can play fewer characters. So there's very much, this is your type. You kind of go out for these things, mm. especially as you're starting. So I kind of figured out what to do there. I got good at doing those things and got work pretty regularly. What what types were? So I was almost always, uh, they call it the guy in the chair. Um, huh. I was the nerd, the tech guy. Okay. Those types of things. Okay. Um, I don't know how it come across now, but that's how it came across then. Okay. And I just kind of leaned into it. I can be, you know, nerdy and geeky if I need to. Mm -hmm. I read Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter as a kid. It's, yeah. it's not too far out of my wheelhouse. Mm -hmm. But basically, there are these little types that you fit into. If you're over 5'10", jacked and handsome, you're the lead. If you look like me, uh, you are not. And mm -hmm. so you take that character role and you just get you're really jacked. good at it. Well, I am now. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but this is before like Game of Thrones and like those types of things. So yeah. the long hair and the beard are newish. Yeah. Um, it would be interesting to see what I could do now. But mm -hmm. at the time, I was just having fun doing this thing and pursuing this dream of being an actor. And I think my dream and was always a little outsized versus the reality that I was living in. Uh, and the danger of that is being so disconnected from the present. You don't do the work you need to do to create a foundation. So I was going to classes, um, going on auditions, but I always felt like I didn't have enough and like I wasn't far enough along. Mm. And it was such a hindrance to my actual progress that I wouldn't work as hard as I should. Or um, I'll be like, well, I got this. I understand this. Like I'm, I'm too good to put in this level of work for this character. Mm. This is just a student play. It's unpaid or a student film. It's unpaid. Why am I showing up like this? I developed a bit of an ego there, like mm. an, an outsized ego for what I was doing. Which to go back to yeah. that book, the power of awareness, yeah. having these big goals and, and really focus, like focusing conceptually yeah. mentally on these big goals. And I mean, Hey, if you can really, uh, he's got like case studies too of these people that, that would like really, um, adopt the feeling of the wish fulfilled. Yeah. So if you've got these, I mean, I understand like if you're, oh, if you're yeah. like it's great to be motivated but you can get lost in that too. Yeah. And there's like there's a famous story right of Jim Carrey writing million dollars for acting services paid yeah. and, and putting it in his wallet that night. And there are moments of that that are very, you know, that make sense that work and there's what a lot of actors like myself do where you're just you're a little bit delusional about where you are versus where you want to go and mm. the work it takes to get there. It didn't help that I was not showing up as a man in my relationship. I was not working as hard as I needed to outside of that. I mm -hmm. never had enough money. Um, I relied on my fiance many times uh, mm -hmm. to pay rent. And that was eroding my confidence in myself. And as that confidence was eroded, the ego got bigger. And that disconnection between mm -hmm. who I was, who I wanted to be, and what was happening in between created so much cognitive dissonance mm. that I just became an unsufferable prick. Um, <laughs> and I'm me. I'm always me. There are, you know, some over-dramatizations of this story. Mm -hmm. um, but it was a journey that I don't regret one second of. Mm. Uh, the only thing that I would change is how hard I applied myself in certain instances. Um, I was very proud of the work I was doing. I was very proud of the friends that I had made, having gone there knowing nobody. I was in a relationship that while had its moments was beautiful and loving, and that was something I'd never experienced. Mm. And I am 
you know, proud of that. Um, I love the, uh, I love the kid who moved out there with a dream and, you know, no money and figured it out. Like I went from knowing zero people in Los Angeles to having a reputable agent to being a SAG actor. Like Mm. I did an audition for a, a director named Richard Linklater um, and that's kind of a defining moment of my career so far if I choose to continue to mm. pursue it. But I kind of think once you've been bitten by the acting bug, it never goes away. So I think there's a part of me that will always either act, teach acting, do film, do podcasting or sketch of some kind, maybe even stand up in mm. the future. So what I have seen yeah. is the the skits that you do with your brother. Oh, sure. Yeah. The Texas. Yeah. The Texas skits. Man, you guys fucking crush it. <laughs> Oh man, I missed those. I, like, yeah, yeah. Let me just dig. Let me allow my oh, please, to yeah. flow. But um, there is this natural, um, healthy tug and pull between the two of you. Like mm-hmm. you, you guys are so able to riff off of each other, and it's like it just, it just works. It just flows, and it's funny, man. You guys are Appreciate hilarious. That. Like I loved what what I first. Before you guys kind of blew up, because you did mm. blow up a little bit. Yeah, a little um, bit. The first videos that I laughed at, because I, I came here um, to Austin, Texas, with the intentions of working for this company. But there was also like, I did like Aubrey Marcus to yeah, certain yeah. degrees. And I, I do like him to this day. Um, mm. But I loved <laughs> the, the, fucking, <laughs> the fucking Austin bro. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. The, the Aubrey Marcus, the Aubrey Marcus Austin yeah, yeah. biohacking bro skits that you guys did. It was so yeah, fucking funny. I appreciate it. And uh, I watched, um, I didn't go through your entire Instagram, but there sure. was one uh, Instagram video that you did and you were in the ice bath. Oh, yeah. You were doing like the yoga pose and the- The different types of ice bathers. Yeah. The Navy SEAL is my favorite one, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit. It was just like this rendition of of like different types of people that do ice baths. Even the CrossFitters that do like- Yeah, burping into the ice bath. Outside and the burping into the ice (laughs) I just like, man, I don't know what it is. I find the humor in everything. Yeah, dude, you got a skill for it. Like the two- And so- you know, the Texas. Yeah. I, I'm like sad that you guys don't do it anymore. Right. Um, yeah, we're on a, an indefinite hiatus, uh, for the, you know, Gunner moved to Fort Worth, um, which was the best move for him. Mm-hmm. And for a minute we were commuting, but I was injured and still kind of in that recovery phase yeah. and relying way too heavily on his efforts while he was trying to build a business outside of that. And it just got to be too much. Yeah. So we pressed pause. Um, we may or may not start it again. And, I really hope that it becomes something again because I got the most fulfillment out of that. Dude, I mean, you guys, um, you could tell. Well, and it's, so it goes to this thing where it's like, have you ever had to break up with somebody when things were going well? Mm, I mean, sub, I don't know. I don't, sure. I don't think so. Um, yeah. So there was this thing happening where it felt kind of like that because we yeah, were at an inflection point. You know, we had grown on Instagram to a certain point. It was still mm-hmm. climbing. You know, we've got mul- we've got multiple millions of views on, yeah, you know, all of our video yeah. content, um, tens of thousands of downloads. Like we were at a point where it was very much on the up. And so to have to objectively look at what was possible effort wise and say, this isn't going to work is that's one tough. of the hardest fucking yeah, things. That's in the world tough. Because, I value my brother's relationship and his his life and his happiness mm-hmm. over content mm-hmm. any day. Of the yeah, week. That's yeah, an easy yeah, call. Yeah. And he expressed to me at one point that, you know, um, 
it was tough sometimes to come down here because he didn't feel like he got to be with his brother. He just felt like he was with his business partner. Mm. And man, that broke my heart. Um, And it put things in that perspective of like, you know what? And I had said this from the beginning, whether Texas does 10 episodes or a thousand episodes, whether we make zero dollars or a million dollars off it, as long as we sit down and record one episode, it's just like, for me, that's success. Mm. And beyond that, um, while it does hurt to not have that outlet, my brother is the most important person in my life. Mm. And always, you know, until he's not, he will be. Mm. And I think the only person that could supersede that would be, you know, a life partner or a child. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he'll always be, you know, the first person on my prayer list. He'll always be the person I call whenever yeah. I'm having an issue. Um, my confidant, my, you know, somebody I look up to in a lot yeah. of areas. I love that, man. I love, yeah, yeah. I love seeing the brotherly brotherly love. Um, and I can tell that he was yeah. super important to you just based off of some of your posts. And I remember when he was still here in Austin. Uh, I mean, he's not that far away either. No, Fort, no, Fort Worth is like, a drive away. But um, he w- I, I would see him at the gym yeah. a decent amount. And he was prepping for the... the uh, Led- yeah, the Leadville. Leadville. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was impressive. And... I saw aspects of Gunner that I lacked in myself and it felt like he was doing this incredibly hard thing. And this is in comparison to like all of the bro science, like people that like, no offense to the guys here at Squash, but like, you know, he was doing, he wasn't doing it for like, you could tell there was a cell. He 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 could give two shits about the gram. Yeah. Like like he was, it was clear. Like, even though I didn't really like follow him intensely on Instagram, like I could just feel Mm-hmm. It was, he has a set, like selfless part of him. Yeah. But it's also like, he knows how to fucking laugh and have fun too. Yeah. I saw plenty of times him being the biggest goofball Dude, here. Gunner's the biggest goofball, like truly. Yeah. And yeah. so I, I was like, you know what? Like there, there was certain parts of myself. I was like, I, I feel like I lack that. Like mm-hmm. maybe, maybe I'm too going back to like, you know, us wanting to seek attention. Yeah. Like sometimes it can get over not overwhelming, but like you're, it's too much. Like yeah, it's, yeah. it's too excessive where it's all about you. And, yeah. um, so that's very interesting. Um, when Gunner, Gunner's the perfect embodiment of take it seriously, not yourself seriously. Mm. He took his training very seriously. Didn't take himself, himself seriously like, mm-hmm. at all. Yeah. Clearly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, shout out Gunner. I mean that he's, I think he's the first one from squash to do the Leadville. I know Matt Johnson, was right behind yep, him. Yep. Um and there had been others to do efforts like that. But, you know, he yeah. led he led the way with humility and strength. And I, you know, really look up to that. So on that topic, yeah. you were clearly a witness to all that. Mm-hmm. And I know there was like a little documentary. Yeah. Like some some I don't know who it was that was taking a video and yeah. all that. But um, uh so I contracted out uh my buddy Juan Valdez. Okay. Um, shout out Juan. Uh he's a great uh, fitness photographer, videographer. Sure. Uh, and he was willing to go on that journey with us for a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah so yeah. I want to kind of get into the yeah. Leadville. Yeah, let's um, do it. How long did he train for? I mean, it depends on your perspective and you, you would have to ask him. Yeah. Uh, but I, I was where he was training for it about a year prior. Okay. Yeah. A year prior. It's a hundred miles total. Mm-hmm. And what is his training regimen? I mean, I, I, I could probably have him on, on, on the podcast too. Yeah. But, um, 
as an observer, yeah. What aspects of your brother mm-hmm. going through this pierces your memory that you admire? So one of the things I value is grit. Mm. The dogged determination to finish what you start. Mm-hmm. And above all else, like Gunner's, you know, my easily my favorite person. He's uh, mm-hmm. you know, strong, dependable, respectable, um, funny, all those things. But his will to get things done that he said he would do is next to none. And the hundred mile race is an embodiment to that. So the part that's going to stick out the most to me is this moment in the race where he was almost pulled for medical reasons. Mm. Um, He forgot to take a waterproof jacket at a certain point and he was doing well, uh, but he forgot to take this waterproof jacket and it started raining. So he developed like near hypothermic, um, he developed hypothermia basically. Yeah. Um, They pulled him at the medical tent at a station where you can't go. So like, you really don't go to that station. That's a medical station to get like food, get dry and keep running. And they kept him and we were getting calls from his, uh, his pacer like, Hey, they're keeping him in the medical tent. I haven't seen him. Like, you know, this is kind of what's going on. Um, he can't warm up, right. He won't stop shivering and they're not going to let him go until he stopped, until he stopped shivering. Mm -hmm. And I swear like hand on the Bible, he must've had a conversation with God and been like, God, I'm doing this for more than myself. Make me stop shivering. I don't care what happens to my body. I have to get out of this tent now. And we were like trying to get to the medical tent. We were trying to like rush over to see what was going on. And Mm -hmm. like I had this overwhelming like big brother sense. You're a big brother. You know exactly what I'm talking about. I was ready to fight somebody Mm. if they wouldn't let me see this kid. Uh, And we get this call like, hey, Gunner Gunner just like shot up and he's out. Like he's going. Um, So we turn around. And met him at that next station, you know, two hours later. And the look in his eye of, like, his his self was gone. You want to talk about, like, ego death and doing drugs and psychedelics mm. to eliminate whatever that that thing is? Mm-hmm. Gone. There was, no, there was no gunner anymore. There was just the will to finish. And that moment of looking at, looking at my brother, almost broken, almost beaten, taking on the next challenge that was going to be even harder than the last mm. leg that he had run, with zero doubt that he would finish. And wow. that moment stands out to me more than anything else. Because, like, as the crew, you just kind of, like, go to places and wait, and it's super nerve-wracking because you're kind of, like, out of control of anything that's going to happen mm. other than what you can prepare for. So, like, you just have everything ready for whatever they might need. And you kind of get all jacked up on caffeine, and you're, like, waiting for people in, you know, 20-degree weather, mm-hmm. wet, freezing, just kind of, like, waiting for somebody to show up with their headlamp it's a really weird experience because a lot of the racers will be like, well, it's way harder to crew than to race because like as a racer, you just put one foot in front of the other, and, mm-hmm. you know, you know what you're doing as a crew member. You have no idea what's going to happen. Um, I don't know if I believe that, but I understand the sentiment for mm-hmm. sure after that. And the documentary is a good, you know, testament to what that means, and, you know, what mm-hmm. it means to have grit. So there you go. Have you asked him about that moment where potentially he had a, moment with God? Not directly. No. Uh, that's not something that we necessarily talked about, mm. but we, um, Gunnar and I talk about faith and spirituality a lot Yeah, uh, because we fall on slightly different points. Mm. Um, Gunnar is very faithful. Uh, he has a strong Christian faith, right? Uh, uh, sorry, real quick. Yeah, yeah, please. I was in the hive Yeah, and 
<laughs> this is out of what? That was pretty funny. Um, I I forgot how we got on the topic of me please, please. going to to um do my own, my first ayahuasca. Mm-hmm. I I think I I revealed it to him, but he was like, "Are you a Jesus guy?" <laughs> <laughs> That's so gunner. You a Jesus guy? It just popped yeah, in yeah. my head as you were talking about it. Yeah, but I yeah. was like, you know, and then he goes. Oh, you're trying to figure that out with yeah, through yeah. this, and I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure he was like, good luck. He, yeah, he yeah, was yeah. super cool about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah super- Gunner for all of his like bluster <laughs> and whatever about how he is with his faith is the most understanding, non-judgmental person you can talk yeah. to about this stuff. Yeah. And I can feel that uh, almost yeah, immediately yeah. with him. Like, so when he asked me that, I had no reservations of saying I don't know. Yeah. Like of saying no, because like other people will be like, you don't believe in our. Yeah, I'm yeah. Lord Savior Jesus Christ. Like, what the fuck's wrong? Like, you know, yeah, but yeah. like he he was very much like understanding. It was very yeah. respectable. Like, cause I could tell that he was a Jesus guy. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. So. There's no hiding that. Yeah. Um Gunner is a good example of what it means, like, in my opinion, to walk with God. And mm. in those moments, right? He's genuinely asking, right? Are you? And are you trying to find out? Because he wants you to, but he also knows that it's not his job, nor does he have the ability to, like, put you there. He can live by example, but that's it. And so whenever we talk about faith and spirituality, his beliefs are very, like, solid. He knows what he believes. He knows Mm -hmm. why he believes it. He is in the Bible as much as anybody I know. So he can have these, you know, big talks. And I think he gets frustrated with me sometimes because I can't quite go as far as he has. And I would not consider myself a Christian, although mm. I do love the Bible. Yeah. And all of my, you know, religion is centered around that. Mm-hmm. I just don't think that the only way to heaven is through Jesus and therefore cannot be a Christian. So whenever we talk about faith and spirituality, it's maybe the most charged that we ever get. Mm. Um not in the bad way. He challenges me on my faith. This and I, great, challenge, yeah. I I hope I don't challenge him on his. I hope he, I do hope, and we've had talks about this because it's gotten heated a few times. I look at him for guidance and, you know, clarification mm-hmm. as much as anything. I just happen to be a little bit of an asshole. So it doesn't always come across <laughs> that way. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. This, um, this is a topic that I'm, I'm looking into, yeah. you know. When we've had a little bit of a talk about faith. Yeah, at the yeah. Metamen. Um, I can't get my, I can't get to a point where I just totally concretely take up the Christian faith, but I'm leaning towards Christianity. Yeah. Uh, I was born and then raised to be a Catholic. Yeah. And then my family kind of, <clears throat> my father has lost faith. Yeah. Or, you know, in a good, I think modern society, well, I guess. Depends on the, the demographic, but just did not have a faithful upbringing. Yeah. Like, just did not um, permeate on a day-to-day basis. And I've been very curious about it, and I wonder why. And so the reason why is maybe because of this embodiment of, like, holy shit, mm-hmm. this psychedelic did this. This is nuts. Like, mm-hmm. what I experienced um, is indescribable. It, it Like, very powerful. Unless you've gone through something like it, there's no way to really there's no, translate that. Yeah, I can't. Yeah. I can tell you some of the things I saw, but like you're not gonna. There's no way I can put words to exactly what happened. But I, yeah, I mean, I can try. Yeah. Um, but it, pff, dude, does nothing. And yeah, there there was this moment in my uh, psilocybin journey where 
and I'm going to do my best to describe it, but it was a, it was a feeling and it, it, it kind of meant this. So I'm going to fail, but I will do my best. Yeah. Um, there's that painting where you've got, you know, Adam touching God's finger. Right. Mm -hmm. And I, I had kind of a vision of that. And in that moment, I knew what it felt like to be an artist that had a vision from God and a mission to transcribe it. And I knew what it felt like to fail to as beautiful and as perfect and amazing as you could make it as much as the spirit was moving through you, how, because of your human instrument, you would never touch what the inspiration was. And in that moment, I've never been more sad in my entire life. I was heartbroken and filled with the deepest sorrow I could possibly describe and even still was looking upon the face of God with inspiration and then replaced with joy and love and, you know, the grounding of, and that's okay mm. because you got to see it. Mm. Your mission isn't to make it perfect. It's to make it. Yeah. Yeah. Whew. You put you put the words together pretty nicely. Um, I work on it. I like words. Yeah. Um, I, I even, <laughs> even though I do this podcast, like, yeah. it's nice to do. It's nice to have a conversation with someone else sure. that is in that realm sure. of like speaking because it tests me on, on on how I formulate my speech. And I've tried. I've done a terrible job in the past with trying to do this, but all I were to try again because mm -hmm. um, I've done it twice now. When you ingest it, there is this flush. You mm -hmm. know how you take a sip of alcohol and the first, the first sip you take of that Manhattan mm. hits your hits your gut. You know, that's your drink. Yeah. Okay. That's my drink. Yeah, that's, is that your drink? I like Manhattan. Okay. I mean, I haven't had a drink yeah, yeah. in a while, but uh, I like Manhattan. I like whiskey. Um. And you know, you know what I'm saying though. Like yeah. it permeates. Like it hits your yes. gut, and, and you can feel the warmth. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. So there's this moment with ingesting ayahuasca specifically the daimi because the yeah. santo daimi is a lineage within the ayahuasca um i don't really talk too much about it because i'm not i don't want to do it in injustice, injustice and like yeah. i don't know much you're about not it. you're not that guy no yeah that's somebody yeah. else but all yeah. but anyways there is a moment mm -hmm. that is like nothing i have ever experienced where it, like it's like every cell in your body transmutes into something mm -hmm. it's like this flush throughout your entire body sure and it's like whoa um and alongside the most un, unreal visionary like, geometric patterns that you see and like there's certain mm -hmm. moments of when you're in it that is it's so strong that there's nothing else that I can do aside from literally lay down and just do nothing. Mm -hmm. Literally do nothing because yeah. it's so powerful. You let it wash over you. From all like all this yeah. all types of senses, like just from the physical sensations within my body, the visionary things that I'm seeing. And then it genuinely felt like it recalibrated my body and my brain, yeah. which sounds odd, but again, it makes sense. But something felt like it was truly flow, like something yeah. beyond like just, Oh, you know, I took this psychedelic and there's like cool, funny pictures that I'm seeing. It's sure. like, no, there was something that was flowing through my, yeah, this human meat suit, this vehicle. Yeah. And it just creates this embodiment of there is clearly something much bigger yeah now if it comes to because like christianity I, i'm i've read a few things I, I read a i went to a conference uh my my buddy jay azeltine's uh yeah. part of it he does a keynote speech but it's it's coordinated by two gentlemen um that are that follow the christian faith 
I couldn't help but feel like a little bit of fear when I approached them because mm. they are so in the Christian faith, but they are also very powerful and strong men, balanced yeah. men. Like Zach Homel. I don't know if you know who Zach sure. Homel is. Yeah, yeah. Um, I look up to Zach. I think he's mm. a very strong man. And he, yeah, I, I couldn't help but feel like this fear. And maybe this is a part of me that like, you know, you want to be accepted and have external validation. Sure. But it's like, I don't, I still, I have doubts about my faith and right. I know that you don't. Yeah. Like you have a very strong sense of, of, of faith when it comes to Christianity. And a part of me can't help but feel that there are many rivers to the, the same ocean. Yeah. Like you look at Hinduism, you look at Buddhism, um, you look at all these different, you know, Juda Judaism and, and different religions. Like I would say the more, the more traditional religions, but there's like, you know, Native Americans and then there's, other lineages within South America and all these different things that get to this oneness, yeah. to this one higher power, right? And I can't help but feel, because like also going, I mean, to briefly go back to the Santo Daime, mm -hmm. they wish, they, they try, I believe they try to call in Christ consciousness. So they do yeah. affiliate Christ, but they mm -hmm. also are respectable of other spiritual paths. Yeah, And Christ consciousness, like, okay, what does that mean? So that what that means is that you are you are Christ in mm -hmm. within you. Like you are embodying Christ. What does that mean? Like, and so ayahuasca allowed me to embody a state of consciousness that was like so, the words that I try to use was like divine, mm -hmm. masculine. You can't help it. Balance. Yeah. Like I was, I felt like the highest form of myself. Yeah. But it was this like confidence that was not egotistical at all. And so that's why I was like, where is this coming from? And like, can I feel this more often? Like, sure. It, and another term is like pure spirit. Like you're mm -hmm. pure, like you are, you are, it's not coming from an ego. ego. And there's nothing wrong with the ego either. There's nothing bad or good about you the ego. You have to have an ego. You do have to have yeah, an ego. Yeah, it is necessary. I'm just saying that that state of consciousness felt like the ego was totally, or maybe... I don't know. Like I'm still trying to formulate sure. all of this. Well, and it's funny because as you try and examine it, you can't help but bring the ego into it. So it kind of ruins the experience. Yeah. In a way. <laughs> the ego is trying yeah, to explain. It's trying to like, explain what was a non-egoistic experience. Yes. So you think. Yeah. Um, and then it gets really heady and you're like, what am I doing? Uh, which <laughs> yeah. is to touch back on briefly. You mentioned like you don't have a concrete faith and, you know, and that is kind of the oxymoron, right? Is Faith cannot exist with certainty. No faith is concrete. That's why it's faith. You're believing in something that you're unsure of. So what, what would Gunner say to that? You would have to ask Gunner. <laughs> I, I would say that to have faith is the belief in something that there is no proof for, right? There will always be questions and uncertainty. So again, this kind of comes back to what we've been talking about, which is integrating the work into the practice, mm. right? You can, you know, go to the gym and lift the weights, but if you get fucked up while you're moving your house, like doing something wrong, right? Mm -hmm. So as you go into the text, as you have ayahuasca experiences, you are creating a stronger bond with God, a stronger bond with spirit. But if you can't bring that into your daily life and lead with love mm -hmm. actually, mm -hmm. Right. If you cannot have those crises of faith when bad things happen and you say, dear God, why? If you can't do that and still turn toward God instead of away from God, whatever that means to you, 
then that's where your work is. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. You just got to recognize it. And it's like, again, I'm not, I I have no spiritual high horse to stand on, right? It's like a little rocking chair pony at the moment. That's for everybody. Yeah. I know for a fact that there is something higher. Mm -hmm. And I also know that if you choose not to believe that, you are shoestringing yourself as a human. So why is that? Because having something outside of yourself to believe to believe in is what will lead you past all of the garbage, all of the filth, all of the lowness of behavior and set you free to realign mm-hmm. yourself with something higher, right? Mm-hmm. In those moments where you feel like there's nothing, if you believe and have faith that there is something, it will propel you forward. It will pull you out of the darkness. Yeah. It will be your self-help books whenever you're depressed. It will be all of those things. Because without faith that there is more, you will give up on some level. Mm. And you will expect the worst. And you will create a story in which there is no point. Mm. Yeah, I recently had a friend that's in the Bitcoin space. He follows the um, theory that Ayn Rand yeah, of yeah. Um, her books are... Fountain, uh, Fountainhead, Fountainhead, yeah, Alice Shrugged. Alice Shrugged. Yeah, yeah. And she follows a very libertarian free market, sure. capitalistic approach. from an economic approach, but from a philosophical approach, she calls it objectivism. Mm-hmm. And when I stated, when I, I, cause I talked about my podcast with this friend and I sure. talked, I've been speaking to these conversations, like spiritual higher power stuff. Yeah. And he's like, I don't really, he, he follows the objectivism yeah. aspect. And I was like, I, th- I, I intuitively, I, I feel like that's dangerous. Because the the objectivism is man, every man, every human being mm-hmm. should follow their own self-interest mm-hmm. and have, you know, privacy rights towards following that self-interest and mm-hmm. using their rational, their rational, like the power of the, it, it's really emboldening the, the strength of the power of the mind within every human being, sure. which is great. But there is doubt, like, Ayn, I think that's how you say her name, Ayn Rand, she has voiced doubts within the religious realms, so mm-hmm. faiths, which I, she she grew up, I believe, during World War II. Mm-hmm. And some of her arguments were, were that men who followed faith, te- essentially they weren't as results driven compared to to men that were like rational self-interest action take action Mm -hmm. and get things done and that depends on every human being you can be someone you can be a man of faith and be like gunner i mean gunner gets shit done and he's a man of faith and then there's other people that like i only pray to god and then i do nothing about it well and that's so there that brings me to a, a phrase i like a lot which is pray like there's a god act like there isn't Mm. which maybe said better is well jordan peterson has said even if you don't believe in god Mm -hmm. you should act like there is one yeah absolutely and and to be honest i i think that's good advice i think it's fantastic advice and i think i've also been in for the most part certain stages of my life i probably did not yeah but there were certain points in my life where i did adhere to that and yeah. then there's others where I, I think I for, I did forget it. And look, I see both sides. Like I definitely had my own deconstruction and have come out the other side celebrating the existence of God 
in all of the things that I don't understand, can't comprehend, and never will. Mm-hmm. And I think things like psychedelic experiences can help open you up to what that is for you. Yeah. I think it's a very individualized process. So all of these books that exist, like the Bible, like the Quran, like all of these things, right, are guideposts, are tools, just like psychedelics, just mm-hmm. like anything, mm-hmm. like a self-help book. The difference is it embraces the esoteric beauty of human nature and story. There's so much in the Bible that is just flat out hilarious. There's a point in which um, I believe uh, these kids make fun of a guy for being bald and God sends a bear to eat them. Like, (laughs) There's a reason that's there. I don't know what the reason is off the top of my head, but I do know that story exists, right? And there are things like that. And then there's like beautiful mysteries within the Bible, right? Like whenever they talk about certain other gods, you know, they don't discount that other people pray to these gods. And in some instances, the Hebrew God loses, which implies that the other God won in some way. And so there are allowances for other faiths within the Bible that are very interesting to me. Mm. Um, and then overall, the, the overarching story, right, is like this being came into existence that was both human and God sacrificed themselves for the greater of all of humanity. And through that, you will find salvation. There's something to that that's very interesting because yeah. it's like you take it upon yourself to lay down like all of these resist- resistances, all of these attachments and and try to take on, you know, take in a little bit of spirit to find your own salvation in your through your life. Mm-hmm. And it is your greatest work, right, is to be like Christ and find out what that means. Mm. I mean, I think there are far worse ways to live your life. Yeah. Now, where we always come back to is like people who think a lot want to be right. And the thing you have to let go of if you choose to have faith like this is that you might not be. Based off of my experiences that have created this knowing Mm-hmm. within me it's not a belief it's in like a knowing yeah i've heard people say that when i believe in something it yeah. means that you're still unsure sure Do you, does that, does that I, mean? get, I get the differentiation but there's always the you know we're spiritual beings having a human existence which right. means we're fallible right yeah and so when we talk about things like faith we're choosing to select a thing that could be not the quote-unquote right thing, mm-hmm. but in so doing, we abandon, you know, the need to be right. And that's part of the point. Well, and then I would argue that going back to objectivism, because I, yeah. I felt this, I couldn't go, like, I, I couldn't go to bed. Yeah. It, it, it's not that it bothered me. It, it's not that it it bothered me or offended me in any way. I was, like, curious. I was, like, oh, yeah. wait, well, so why is objectivism, why does it not feel right for me? And I think mm-hmm. what it, what can happen with certain people and how it's used, objectivism can bring you back to always being right. Because if you worship, because in a way you're worshiping, and I can pull up yeah. uh, Ayn Rand's, like, but you're worshiping the... You're worshiping the, knowledge, power, and wealth. and Yeah, the human mind. Yeah. And when you, th- that can easily fall prey to you being, you can become destructive in a way. Because if you believe that mm. with all your heart, um, instead of something outside of yourself, mm. uh, there, there, yeah, there's something to it. I mean, objectivism leaves not nearly enough allowance for love, and 
that's my biggest problem with it personally. I was just going to say that that's one thing that, and I wrote it in AI chat GPT. I was like, what, yeah. what are some of the uh, oppositions to objectivism? And sure. it, it said some of the ob- of, um, objections to ob- uh, objectivism or, or at least some of the pushbacks or counter arguments are that it does not have uh, the capacity to empathize and have compassion for other people because in a way it is against collectivism. Sure. Um, and I, and yeah, so there's a lack of maybe empathy or compassion or the ability to, uh, yeah, something along those lines and the the heart seems to be missing. Yeah. The heart does seem to be missing out of it. And that's something that I personally need in a philosophy. Yeah. Now that doesn't mean there aren't useful things that we can take from objectivism and times in which it is very utilitarian to use it as a lens. But all these things are just lenses that mm-hmm. we use to try and communicate better and get on the same page as other people. And if we did not, in fact, need other people, we would have no reason to have language, to have story, to create philosophies around interacting with other people. Mm-hmm. All of these things require the participation of a collective to exist. Right. Objectivism wouldn't have exist if it was one person. Yeah. You know? And I always looked at the Bitcoin, or at least a segment of the Bitcoin culture, which is yeah. primarily, if you were to go from a traditional standpoint, it's it's sure. free market libertarianism in a way. In a way. Free market. Free market. Free market. Free market. Smart park. <laughs> I come from Massachusetts. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just had a little... Uh, Bought my Duncan with a Bitcoin today. I uh, smart park the cow over there. Pack the cow. Yeah. It, yeah. Um, but they're pretty against collectivism. Right. And at the same time, it's like, well, how, how, also does, a collective. how does a community operate? You collectively come together. Yeah. Like you peacefully interact. The whole point of Bitcoin is to, or, or money is to peacefully operate through these transactions that is using the technology that is money. Yeah. Look, and, I, you call it whatever you want. It's a collective of some kind. Yeah. Because you as a collective agree that this is worth that. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, collectively... For Bitcoin to work, you need the collective to to agree agree with it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's like there's just a yeah. there's a, a lack of yeah a lack of like seeing the bigger the bigger picture. Um, and look, man, there there may or may not be spirit and magic in the world, you know, but my world is a lot better because I believe there is. Same. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I just the, the possibility of of believing in things that are and that, that in a way is like quantum physics is the study of the unknown. And yeah. that in a way is magic. Well, and it's like, you know, um, I recently did this Costa Rica retreat where I was cooking for everybody. Mm. And again, I'm not, I don't consider myself a Christian, but I pray over every meal, whether I'm consuming it alone or with other people and chose to, you know, pray out loud. And I, I did so trying not to invoke like any type of yeah. um, dissonance. And on the last day, I explained why I do it, um, which is simple. And that is, you know, the uh, three of observation, right? Um, there's the experiment where they observe these quantum particles mm-hmm. and the act of observing them changed an outcome, mm-hmm. right? Like everything, if you look into it far enough, it probably ruins the metaphor, but bear with me. Uh, which basically means that your observation, your thoughts can change reality on a mm-hmm. quantum level. Mm-hmm. So when I pray over food, I am consciously, intentionally creating a different pathway for that. I am creating nourishment on multiple levels rather than just being physical pieces of flesh that I'm masticating Mm -hmm. to take in for energy. 
I am hopefully imbuing these things with love, with intention, with the knowledge that this is going to nourish a soul more than just a body. Mm. And the act of observing that and creating intention around it absolutely changes yeah. on a physical, on a you know quantum level, mm-hmm. how these particles are going to interact with your particles. Mm. Yeah. And that is why I do it. Yeah. I've, I've even, I've spoken to the same discussion with yeah. uh, previous podcast guests. And even if you're not raising the animals, but if you are raising the animals, if you treat mm. those animals with, well, with like, yeah. well, intention and it matters there's some type of soul into that those animals and then eventually it's like the native americans like having devotion and prayer as soon as they killed sure that animal you know Um, i mean look and you don't have to make a thing of it it's it's as simple as you know the first deer i took we knelt down and we said thank you yeah yeah man because you are you are taking something and I think that at the very least, you can respect what yeah. that means. I think the mindless consumption from experience yeah. leads to destruction of your own body, yeah. the your feed. mind, and the feed. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> the feed. I, it's funny that you you pointed that out because I actually we get so used to it mm-hmm. that you forget what it's called. The feed. It's called know, the feed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, words are important. I don't think they're the most important thing, but I do think it's how we capture meaning uh, and translate it to each other in one of the most efficient ways. Mm. So whenever whenever I think about things, I often will come to the word themselves. Yeah. yeah. Well, man, this I, I knew this was going to happen. What this co- this yeah. conversation was going to flow, and 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 uh, I've been able to see the comparison of taking tons mm-hmm. of notes and and rightly so because some some guests have a plethora of information and events and things that that, yeah. have, that have happened that's yeah. it's better for me to take notes but when I refer back to my notes constantly the conversation is different and it's abrupted. Yeah. So there's something to Joe Rogan style. Sure. He never has anything in front of him. He does have Jamie to point out certain right. pieces of Pull data and stuff yeah. like that, which I don't have that right now, which is, would be nice eventually if we have some type of device that can do that uh, or whatever, like AI, robot, yeah. whatever. But um, there's something to the conversations that I've had, like with Ty Granzler, with mm-hmm. my buddy Chris McIntyre, with my buddy Brandon Blake. Yeah. Uh, those conversations, when they flow and there's – you know, no interruption of the exchange of consciousness between each other are just, they they feel at least from my perspective, the quality is much better. Yeah. And part of me is like, I could go through his Instagram and I did. And I took some notes and I was like, I'm not using these. I'm also like semi purposely very vague about everything. (laughs) Like, um, (laughs) I, I, part of me getting over my need for attention is also like, (laughs) I don't feel like I have to be or look or do a certain thing. Yeah. Um, and I think it facilitates this type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the less preconceived notions you have, the better usually. And I think that goes both ways. Yeah. But I appreciate that. Uh, I, you know, really enjoy this type of thing. And I don't, I don't consider myself, um, like, I'm, I'm not just like saying this in a false humility, hopefully. Maybe I am. I don't know. But like, um, I don't think of myself as like interesting. Um, I don't think of myself as somebody with a lot of value inherently. Um, but the one thing I do think I can bring 
uh, one of my, you know, superpowers is presence. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's easy to just be here with you. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that everybody has that. Maybe they do. And I'm just aggrandizing something that everybody yeah. does, but I genuinely, you know, want to know you. I want to know your answers and I, <laughs> like, I want to know what you're struggling with and how you're overcoming it. Yeah. Um, and hopefully that gets translated. Yeah. I, I appreciate the part of the conversation of you asking me questions. And to be honest, looking back, I feel like I rambled a lot, but it's going back to these topics of spirituality and, and yeah, in personal development. Um, it can be difficult to, to put a scope out of like, of, of going back to the subconscious beliefs that we have, you know, mm-hmm. as soon as you say, I'm looking for strength, you're saying to yourself and people don't realize that you're saying yeah. to yourself that you are weak. And, um, so yeah, yeah, I'm trying to get better at, at, uh, putting concepts and words to difficult, to, to topics that are difficult to, to do. So, yeah. um, to conclude, I, I, w- I wanted to ask what's in store for you because I know you're, we didn't even really discuss what you do now. Yeah. Um, you're a freelance copywriter. Yeah, I do. Uh, I do a lot of things. Yeah. Um, I cook. Uh, I was a, whew, I'll try and make this quick. Really, let me just kind of think about how I want to lay this out. I've been a freelance copywriter for a long time. Um, I hung that up for a little bit after the surgery mm. because I was uh, let go from my company after they imploded. So there were like mass layoffs. Okay. Um, wasn't able to like quickly get back on the horse there. The only thing that kind of was open is a friend of mine had like a bartending gig. So I started doing event bartending, mm. which I cut my teeth on in Los Angeles when I learned how to bartend. Sure. That became a sous chef position at a place called Toshikon. Oh. It's a sushi speakeasy. Uh, in the top of a private club. Anybody can get in, but it's like a hard to get reservation here mm-hmm. in Austin. So over the last six months, I've learned how to make sushi. Oh, wow. Um, I've always wanted to, you know, explore uh, the chef world. Mm-hmm. Like Anthony Bourdain is my hero. Yeah. Um, he embodies, you know, everything that I value mm-hmm. in so many ways. Mm. And I finally got that opportunity, tried that out. Um, it's been a beautiful experience. I don't know that it's my life path, but it did, you know, help me get through and, you know, pay the bills. Mm-hmm. Opened up this opportunity to cook for the retreat, which is a life-changing experience that mm-hmm. I wouldn't have given up for anything. Uh, I'm now the bartender at Toshikon, the bartender oh, left, cool. so I've taken over that position. And I will do that for a little bit. In the meantime, there are a few people I've met in Austin who I'll be working with as a copywriter um, in the short term and maybe long term, turning that into more of a integrated coaching position mm-hmm. where I help people tell their story in whatever way that means. Sure. Um, like I said, story is one of the most important things mm-hmm. to me. And I don't know that it's something I deserve, but it's something that I'll pursue is helping people navigate telling their story in the best way they can, mm. whether it's to sell a product that's important to them. We've got so many friends who, you know, like Mike's mangoes and like all these things <laughs> like that are really interesting to me and that I would love to contribute what I can, which is distilling large chunks of information into bite-sized understandable mm. pieces. And that will be kind of what I'm doing on a professional level. Um, like I said earlier, broke my back while back, had back surgery. Uh, I was going to be competitive in high rocks this you know last two years, but haven't been able to train yeah. it capacity for that. Yeah. So I've discovered, um, I mean, I might as well make kind of an announcement and you know test myself here. Uh, I won't tell you the whole scope, but there are several rucking challenges that have been proposed by uh, by somebody, and I'll be tackling all of them this year. Oh. They start really small. 
Are you my, doing the ruck tomorrow? I won't be doing the ruck tomorrow uh, because of, of work, but um, on my own, I will be doing, and I'll like invite people who want to join. But I love rocking. The first one's a 15 mile, 35 pound ruck. The second one's uh, 15 miles, 35 pounds. Yeah. Pretty easy. Starts off. Uh, yeah. Second one is 45 pounds, 17 miles in less than seven hours. And so I'm going to try and get both of those done as my first challenge, um, which for me and in my current like kind of physical condition is yeah. is a good push. Okay. There's a decent chance I'll yeah. fail the time frame. Okay. Um, and there will be more of that to come throughout the year that are longer and harder. When and where are you? The first one I'll be doing around Ladybird Lake. Um, I'll probably do like like an Instagram live or maybe see if I can get squashed to help out with okay. like lending me a rucksack. Say, yeah. yeah. Um, it, and I'll it definitely yeah, yeah yeah start I'll start from here and just be like hey this is where I am this is my Strava like if you want to find me I will be on the trail mm -hmm. until I either collapse or finish mm. so you know would love might, to see people I might like walk to, by. to join you on that yeah yeah go for it man if you want to shoot yeah, me a yeah. text so like when you're doing it and I will um because uh, I do love rocking yeah and I would like to challenge myself physically and I haven't been doing that I go to the gym well yeah. and also I'm trying to not stress myself out too much, but, yeah, yeah. um, I feel like physically I feel good. I feel in good shape. Yeah. Um, but I think that trying to add more like the yeah. ice baths and the, all that can be a little excessive on. Well, and I think the body, like the mind and the emotions needs inflections. You need challenges. You need things that you do that are outside of that comfort yeah. zone that are purposely stressful. And yeah. I think the right dosage of that may be difficult to monitor, but I would rather go a little too hard and recover hard after than consistently be going just a little too hard right. and, and never feel caught up. Yeah. So yeah. at the beginning of the year, I outlined um, my five areas, right? Uh, mind, body, spirit, finances, relationships. Mm. And in each of those five areas, I have one challenge. I don't believe in resolutions. I believe in challenges. So I've outlined some challenges in all of those areas. Um, financially, the goal is to get out of debt by July, um, which is a big goal, but it is doable. Mm. And everything after that is just like backtracking and figuring out, okay, cool. If that's my one goal here, what do I do to get there? And if I conquer it in the year, great, I'll set a new goal. If I don't, same thing comes around. Mm. We got to examine why we failed. So I'm excited to kind of go after that. Um, after a year of just kind of recovery and feeling lost, it's nice to have mm. a little bit of direction. Nice, man. Yeah. And maybe we'll see Texas. Maybe we'll see Texas. Maybe we'll see what it becomes next. Because yeah. I mean, we've already built the audience to where it is, and it'd be a shame to let it go to waste. Yeah. But it, sometimes you got to pivot. Yeah. The theme of last night's conversation around the fire pit was um, letting go. Yeah. To your accomplishments. Yeah. Uh, had a friend take some of his uh, gear. Or clothing from Iron Man's. Yeah. Just threw him in the fire. There you go. Like, I'm not attached to this. Yeah. It's much more elegant and. Right. Like, yeah. You know, I mean, like, this gear isn't yours. You can't, you can't just like. <laughs> yeah. I'm fucking well, done. Um, let me ask you this. Um, in the theme of like non-attachment. If this ended after this episode, this was the last episode of the Shane Morrison podcast. And it shouldn't be a problem. <laughs> but like, if this was it, what would you take away and what would you want to leave your audience with? <laughs> what would I want to take away? It's the intimate conversations, the, the connection that you receive. Mm -hmm. So what I mean by that, there's a big difference when you set a clear intention of 
me and you are having a conversation for two to three hours mm -hmm. versus you go to these social events or if you're just chilling in your house or you're at Squatch, like it, it, there's a difference. There's a huge difference in doing this. You get to learn about yourself and the other person in a more intimate way and it humbles you and it balances you. And it, to me, through the laws of the universe, based off of my observations and experience in this lifetime, you learn what you need to learn in that moment mm -hmm. for the most part. And it's not a coincidence. Yeah. Um, so I would take away that there is true value in having the capacity to open yourself up to, to all different types of conversations. Um, and getting to learn about someone is, is truly a gift. And um, yeah, it's super humbling. Um, and the second part of the conversation or the question, uh, what was it? It was, uh, what would you want to leave your audience with? What would I want to leave my audience with? Um, hmm. or even what would you hope they took away? Oh, wow. That's a big question. I could answer in so many different ways. My mind's just like, oh, good God. Um, <laughs> you can set, you can do anything that you accomplish. Your, you, know, um, you can accomplish anything that you set your mind on. And with like persistence and consistency and, and courage and, and, um, iterations, you can do anything you put your mind to. And, um, this path of, of doing the podcast, which is in itself an entrepreneurial route, it tests you in so many ways. In so many ways it challenges you. And, I don't see it. Like, I don't think I could go back. Like, I, I work a nine to five. If I were to stop this right now, there are challenges. You are you are challenged in the nine to five. I'm not saying that, but there's just something different because there's just you have these kind of boundaries, you have these, mm -hmm. these walls in, in a way, at least to kind of narrow you in these paths and these goals that are given to you. With entrepreneurship, I mean, it's and and really trying to be as authentic as you can with integrity and and balancing yourself like it's, it's such a huge challenge and you're put to the test and yeah one aspect that i would like to give to any listeners if this was my last one is is you are way more capable much more powerful than you than you realize because i was i didn't think i could fucking do this shit and it's becoming like, I, I wouldn't say that, like, even before this conversation, I was a little nervous. You mm -hmm. have a little bit of excitement. Yeah. For, and that's just, I think, the, the nature of human beings and starting a yeah. conversation that you don't know where it's going to go. But um, but you, you can easily be, it can easily become normal to you. Mm -hmm. And when you understand, like, you just push through that threshold of the scariness eventually you adapt to it. And, um, so whatever you're fearing right now, just get it over, rip the bandaid, do it scared, 
Yeah. And he was scared. <laughs> and, uh, you know, do rip the bandaid, maybe not in the most brutal way. Sure. Try to be intelligent about it. But once you get, o- I mean, once you get over it, you develop the subconscious belief that you can do it. You yeah. Know? Um, so there's probably so much more that I can relate to, to guests because I would, I'm just an open book and I, I can, there's so many different lessons I've learned from that, from this, this podcast, but uh, yeah, I, I think how you generated this question was on the topic of non-attachment. I mean, yeah. not being attached to success or failure or one path, just allowing yourself through the practice of could be meditation it could be certain practices uh, other other uh, modalities or, or different things that you do just not being so attached to one thing whether yeah it's it's your your career whether it's a relationship whether it's certain stories you tell yourself have the capacity to just let go and find ways to let go <laughs> that's i think that's that's uh yeah, big lesson that I've learned. Um, so I think I could be okay with letting go of this podcast. It would be, it's kind of like what you said about Texas. It's um, it's something that feels, I'm not making any money off of this, yeah. but it's fulfilling. Like this conversation was, even though I'm like, ah, oh, man, a lot of my rambling is disappointing me and I can do better with my speech. <laughs> and I, I can, like, I'm just so man, analytic, analytical on sounds my Sounds like you shouldn't be super attached to that. <laughs> but uh, like, these conversations yeah. are fulfilling. Yeah. They're fulfilling. And then it feels fulfilling to share them with the world. And once again, I'm not attached to whether I get a good compliment. Right. Or, or harassment. Or yeah, yeah. But you can't help but feel something within you when yeah. someone says, you really helped me. Yeah. So, yeah. All right, brother. Beautiful. We did over two hours. Is there Take any... Walk. Huh, yeah, cakewalk. Is there any, um, for you, any message that comes to mind or within your heart that you would like to relay to anybody that's listening right now? Hmm. You know, we talked a lot about like self-improvement, working on yourself, all of that. So you already know what you need to do. If you're scared, do it scared. If you need help, ask. But don't pretend like there's something out there that you don't know what needs addressing because you do. And it's as simple as admitting it, but it's never easy. So don't be too hard on yourself. And that concludes it folks. Peace out. Ching. <laughs>